like prison. Hold on. <laughs> stop, stop singing. What? Because I have this to play. You've reached the five-star hotline. Please leave an insulting message after the tone. <laughs> I'm Josh Maserol from Death Wish. And the only thing more difficult than road tripping a twin-turbo LS-powered Toyota Hilux across the country is listening to these two knuckleheads, Lightning and Holman, on the Truck Show podcast. Enjoy, suckers. <laughs> that wasn't insulting at all. That was awesome. <laughs> you got to love Josh. I, I, I do love Josh. So I binged watched his show. Yeah. Like way too many of them one night. <laughs> it was like one in the morning when I finally fell asleep. Did you have anybody with you, like the dog or the um, kids or the wife? wife? The wife was oh, watching it. Yeah. She hung. Well, at first she started to fall asleep. And then it was so insane when they were racing around the lawnmower, the uh, <laughs> the Kawasaki 1000cc uh, powered lawnmower. And he was, dude, Josh is a nutball. I mean, did you know that? That sounds accurate. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, listen, we are super excited about uh, this show, episode 144, Truck Show Podcast. I'm Lightning. He's Holman. We are checking in with, uh, I think, one of our new favorite details. I'm going to go out on a limb okay. and say our new favorite, not one of our, but our new favorite detailing supply companies, so chemical guys. We haven't had anything on detailing in quite a while, so I thought it would be uh, pretty cool to talk to somebody about detailing, especially uh, in the truck space. There's a lot of questions surrounding, like, uh, ceramic. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different technology happening right now. So I thought, you know what? Let's do uh, let's do an episode on how to keep your truck looking shiny. And you know what I like about Chemical Guys is they based it around um, call it their knowledge base. Is that what you would call it? Not their their uh, tutorial videos. How do you wax your sure. car? How do you ta- what? How much wax is the correct wax? Which? How do you polish? What stages? How many stages? They're very uh, educational. I think their outreach is less about product education per se, mm-hmm. and more about how to education using their products. Where you know it's their products are still the star. But it's more a focus of let's show you how to do this right. I think that's pretty pretty cool and interesting to watch. I mean, I got my kid watching some of their videos yeah. because he was like, let's just hire Rob, who's our buddy. No. Who detail, <laughs> you know, Rob? And he details our cars. And I'm like, you can do this. Like, yeah, I sh- de- no, no, no. You should do you this. You should do yeah. this. So, But he did. So he watched a couple of videos. And they're short. They're only like seven, eight minutes. You yeah. know what I mean? They're, they're bite-sized. And... Uh, he went out and detailed his car with some Chemical Guys products, mind you. Did you get some? I did. I have not gotten it's my It's because I, I asked many times. And they sent them to you, including mine as well, right? To save on shipping, it went to one address. Yeah, that, that happened. Uh, did you ever get your deck bag? I did. And I love it. Huh. I'm not even joking. I my D okay. bag. I know we're changing topics here. <laughs> Let me just put a button on chemical. All right, all right, all right. We're going to talk to you, Paul Schneider, co-founder of the company. Yep. So pumped about that. Cool. And then yes, I had a chance to mess around with my D bag. <laughs> that sounds that awful. Sounds horrible. <laughs> that yeah. Sounds awful. So decked D bag, as yep. as Holman here would say, it is a decked drawer system for your back. Yeah, absolutely. And I was impressed. It, it here's the thing about when you look at it because it came in a plastic bag and you know it was, it was protected for shipping and yep. I'm like. This is going to weigh a ton because uh, our shipping I had it sent to work. Well, it's like so a semi-hard it. bag. Yeah, it's a it's a rigid. Like bag. it's rigid. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So I I'm looking at it from about ten feet away across my office, and I go, oh, "That's going to be heavy." But no, super light as a feather, yep. Yep. and and like it's durable, durable, very yeah. durable. So I'm not sure how the guys at Decked made the D bag, but it feels it's lightweight. It's it, you definitely it's the type of thing you're going to want to uh, put I'm valuables. Say, hashtag organizer magic. Organizer magic, I like it. That's right, yeah. So well, it's already feeling like a plug. I'm just saying, I got it, I'm pumped, we'll talk more about it later. Okay. Uh, who else is on the show? Because you took a little side trip, and uh, 
found a technology in your, uh, I guess, your travels, mm-hmm. and you decided to whip out your phone and, and do some videos and a, and a uh, interview. But it's a topic that I'm actually interested in because I didn't know how it happened. And so you're going to talk about it. So this is a weird one. Do you want me to do it here or you want me to should I wait? I mean, just to explain who's coming on. You want and to then, tease? Just tease a little bit. Okay. Have you heard of 3D printing? Yes. Everyone has. And when you 3D print, it's plastic. It's almost always plastic. Sure. Not this company. Right. Aluminum, titanium, they do it all. So I have a lot of questions, but we'll wait till we get to the segment because I, I inquiring minds want to, I get how you 3D print plastic. I don't understand if I grasp the concept of 3D printing metal. So it is so impressive. Yeah, I did not expect to oh, be. Oh, save this it, place. save it, save okay. it for later. Save All it for right. later. So, okay. f- so first, let's get into uh, thanking Nissan, our presenting sponsor, mm-hmm. uh, because they have uh, hung with us for many years on the Truck Show podcast. So, thank you for supporting us. And now it's time for you guys to support them by purchasing a brand new 2020 Nissan Titan or Titan XD, five year, hundred thousand mile warranty, five point six liter endurance V8. You get bedliner, Utilitrack, zero gravity seats, Fender I mean, audio system. You just love that audio system, don't you? Well, it's the one thing... You know, I'm the audio guy. You are. And I love it. Not only was it the time that you and I did the interview with Tiago over the sound system, right? right? We did it, right? I was really impressed with it then, but then I had the Platinum Reserve that I had for, I guess, just over a week. Sure. And I listened to everything on it. You know, so I had my tone generator app. I listened to podcasts. By the way, you cannot bring a new vehicle around Lightning without him pulling out his phone and going through about 12 different apps. There's like... The tone generator to see like when the uh, the hertz drop out are coming, which is funny because he actually can't hear. Uh, and then he also has like his compressed music files, and he has like his full tilt music files, and <laughs> then he's just you know, and I mean, he thinks he's an audiophile. So they did a really nice job on this system. That's I, all I'm yeah, saying. All right. Okay. If it has a lightning seal of approval. I realize that some people are like, yeah, it's got a nice audio system. I'm like, no, it's got a really nice audio did system. Did they do a better job on that sound system than we did on the last episode? It was a little rough on that last episode, I uh, don't mind saying. I don't want to get into the, the details <laughs> the t- the on why it happened. Yeah. But We're a little hot. We have a, so we have a compressor, and the- these are professional-grade compressors. Yep. All right. And they're they're expensive, and I, I might have stolen a couple from, from my old radio station. But- one of them is dying. I disagree so with I, that. And so I'm. So hold on a second. I think it just gets hot. It does get hot. Well, we bought a case a that was too tight, too and small, it's a thousand for it. degrees in here. Yeah, and and it's meant to be left on 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, because radio stations don't turn off. Sure. It doesn't even have a power switch. I'm not even right. joking. You have to unplug it. You have to unplug it. Right. It's not made to turn off. Because the, the only one having is, problem is there's a stack of four, one for each channel. And it's the number one on top, so all the heat goes up and gets into that one and does weird things. And it just starts distorting. So what we did before the last episode, guys, is that on my board, I switched and I, I kind of patched around it. And I yeah. used another one. It didn't well, really the work. The problem is, is that I didn't dial it in correctly. We were kind of, it was a little bit of haste before the last episode. <laughs> and it was a little hot. So, so this, this episode is fixed. I, I, some of the audio files may or may not have heard it. You know, we're only doing 160 kilobits on, you know, on Apple and Spotify. So it's not like we're audio file quality coming through your, your truck we're speakers just, right now. We're but. just good. By the way, let's circle back to Nissan and let you know that if you have a Nissan Fender audio system in your Titan, It'll be way better than anything we put out on this show. So uh, head over to your local dealer, NissanUSA.com. Check out the new Titan or Titan XD. Drive one home today. And also be sure to tell them Lightning and Holman sent you 
For yeah, we very, want the credit. Absolutely. Uh, for the inquisitive look somebody will give you in return at the dealer, because they'll <laughs> probably go, who? Lightning and what? Yeah. Uh, so after you buy it, just tell us so we can tell our friends over at Nissan that we sold another one. For sure. And then sit back on your couch and hit decked.com and order yourself a brand new decked drawer system or maybe just a D-bag for your back. Deck.com. The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck, because truck rides with show we have the lifted we have the lowered and everything in between we'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline the truck show the truck show the truck show it's the truck show with your hosts lightning and holman all right so are you good with talking detail Equipment and paraphernalia. Yeah, let's get into it. Hardware, software, goods. Super curious about uh, the chemical guys, and I know they make a really good product. They got a great reputation. They're actually a local company, not too far from us. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of interesting stuff happening in the self care. Oh, hold on. (laughs) That sounds bad. No. Self car care. Self car care. Yeah, self car care uh, uh, side of the business. No, wait a minute. Hold on. Why is it self car care? Because you're doing it yourself. Holman, word on the street is that we're calling Paul Schneider, the founder. CEO, I'm making this up. Is the CEO? He is, right? Of, Did you read all? Chemical, <laughs> I sent you a stack of I read emails. it all. I read it all, but I, didn't, I, I, didn't, I even printed them out for no, you. No, no, I read it all. So I'm all familiar right. with uh, some of Paul's history. Okay. But I don't recall if he's the president, CEO, or just founder. How about co founder? Oh, co founder. Co- okay. Co founder. Okay, co founder. Kind of like uh, I'm the uh, co host. Yes, and I'm and, the co host. And I'm the co creator. Co creator. He's the co creator of Chemical Guys. Yo, yo, yo. We co creators. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> All right. We should probably call him instead of uh, talking to ourselves because I think our show is better when it's not just you and me talking. I agree with that. Hello. Hello, hello. This is Lightning and Holman. Is this Paul Schneider, the guy with the banana it's- emoji and also uh, runs <laughs> Chemical Guys? <laughs> 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 What's going on? <laughs> well, Holman is over across from me. This is Lightning speaking. Holman's over there, I guess, texting someone, and he's like, "I'm going to send him a, a, a uh, eggplant, an eggplant." I'm like, "Who? Who? What are you? What is that? Your wife?" And he's like, "No, it's, it's uh, our guest. It's Paul from <laughs> Chemical Guys." I'm like, "Are you sure you want to be doing that?" <laughs> I'm like, "He started it, exactly." <laughs> All right, Paul. Before we can get into this, we have a quick intro to play. Don't you dare move. Welcome to the parts department. Screw nut. Filter, oil, grill, tools, wheels, tires, brakes, lights, gears, belts, and your wife warns you not to, don't you spend our money, and then you'll want to come back. So, Paul, you're officially in the parts department on this particular episode of the Truck Show Podcast. And you're uh, you're helping Uh, us to uh, decipher... The uh, the mysteries of car care, because I think uh, a lot of people are overwhelmed by, I don't know, all the products, all the terms, who's good, who's bad, how it's to fix your car, I mean, all that stuff. I wanted to say he was going to demystify. Well, really? Yeah, but you had decipher. I like that. You like kind that? Of, yeah, yeah, like the hieroglyphics of, uh, of car care. He, he's yeah. the uh, he's going to be our Rosetta Stone of car care for the evening. We, uh, yeah, we've got a lot. <laughs> 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 we'll stop there while we're behind, yes. <laughs> yeah, while we're behind. <laughs> So, Paul, great to have you on. And uh, as we mentioned earlier, you're the co-founder of Chemical Guys, which is a worldwide leader in automotive detailing products. And uh, you both have uh, products for the enthusiasts and professionals. So 
We want to uh, we want to talk about this. Tell us about Chemical Guys. Uh, so Chemical Guys, you know, kind of hit on what you guys said is yes, it, it does appear to be overwhelming to people, but it's not just car care; it's really everything. So what Chemical Guys set out to do a very long time ago is create an ultimate platform so people don't have to be discouraged that anything is overwhelming. So if you hop on our YouTube channel, we have well over 1,200 videos teaching you the ins and outs and making it fun and exciting to grab a Chemical Guys product and have a wonderful time. On top of that, we have over 60 stores across the globe where you can come in, bring in your car, share your passion, come into one of our rides in coffee. Uh, and ultimately, you know, if, if you don't have a detail garage close, which we hope you do, we, we are opening a ton more. But we have a, a phenomenal website, uh, amazing retail exposure at some of the biggest stores. And, and really, we're growing the Chemical Guys family every day, which makes it easier for people to learn about products. And anywhere you go, I was uh, at the airport two weeks ago and uh, waiting in the TSA line. The guy grabs me for the front. He goes, you work at Chemical Guys? And I was like, yeah, I do. He goes, like, man, I paid my way through college with your stuff. He's like, come to the <laughs> yeah. front of the line. I'm like, crazy. Well, that's a lot. Thanks for calling in, Paul. We got it all taken care of right there. We got the whole interview done. No, um, so I should let you know this lightning. Um, one of my friends, Rob, owns a detail uh, business, as many of our friends uh, do, and he's been obsessed with your products. I think since you started, and he had been with all doing the other name brands, the, that we're the big all M's with. that are out there, right? Yeah, and, it's funny and we had to check M's. with our friends and say, "Hey, we're talking to Paul from Chemical Guys. Like, tell us what you think." And everybody's like, "Oh, great stuff. Love, love them." Well, so I, we, we have a lot of questions, Paul. And first, I think we need to rewind the clock a little bit, the, the harp of time here, and, and go back. How did you get your start? Were you yourself a detailer? I know that you're you're a biochemist. Is that correct? Yeah, my, my undergraduates in biochemistry come from um, a, a long line of uh, chemists, of engineers, of, uh, of car fanatics. I uh, was born in Romania. I grew up in my grandfather's mechanic and engineering shop, uh, you know, Romania was communist, so uh, there wasn't a lot of options of things to do. And because my parents worked, I, I grew up in a car shop, and I fell in love with cars. I fell in love with doing things and watching people, you know, take cars and put in engines and uh, do these crazy paint jobs and, and, and just stuff that blew me out of the water. And when I had the opportunity to get engaged in it, uh, I did. You know, I, I've, I've owned paint body shops. I've owned a variety of different businesses. And I realized that the one thing that was missing from everything was really the knowledge to, to have be able to take it into your own hands and become a chemical guy. And, you know, that's something that to me is fascinating and amazing is meeting people that either, you know, spot wearing a chemical guy shirt or see you outside washing your car. And every day, two to 300 people you interact with have heard the name chemical guys. And it's, it's just so cool. It's cool to share a passion with somebody when everyone's so quick to judge or comment that your car is not good enough or, you know, theirs is this or theirs is that. But now it's all about like, I use this product and I love it. And I experimented with this and I tried that. And it's, it's just such a, an amazing feeling to be part of something that is, has become a global family and ultimately a lifestyle brand. It's really cool. So you've, you've created that, and that's obvious by the 600,000 YouTube subscribers. Which I'm sorry. Is How many? 600,000. It's absurd for that, a company that makes That's 600,000 know, more than I have. Yeah, right? <laughs> more than both of us put together. No, but all right. So, Paul, when you, when you went out, okay, you, you had the engineering background. You've got chemistry background. By the way, Lightning, what's your undergraduate uh, degree in? Uh, farting. I mean, <laughs> I don't have one. I was just checking. Yeah, just... yeah. So I dropped out to do radio, which was a bad idea. <laughs> just dumb. And here I am today. Paul, you're looking at the landscape and you're looking at the competition. There had been storied brands, right? 
how do you think that you're going to top them? And I know, I know you're thinking big. I want to start a community, all like-minded, blah, blah. You know, that's awesome, but that's very lofty. And to create a brand and create a lifestyle takes many years. You don't just start it overnight. So you have to look at the immediate, which is I need to make a product that is better than what is out there. How do you pull that off? I mean, for us, it came, I'd say, easy, and it came easy because we didn't look at what anybody else was doing. So we didn't immediately have a wall of it should be this way, it should be that, it shouldn't be that. We really started uh, with a tremendous team, and, and that's the biggest hats off from you know our, our chemists, our in-house formulators, vendors, our designers, our amazing store franchisees, and, and everybody else. It really is a No, but way. see, but hold and on a second, Paul. That- Wait, I have to interrupt you, but you're, you're, you're skipping too far ahead. It's... Unless someone dumped millions of dollars in cash on day one, you didn't have those things when you started. And I know you were an entrepreneur. You were an entrepreneur and you did. You you said you had the body shop, so you're familiar with what it takes to keep, to clean the paint, to prepare it, all these things. But to take that leap, what's what's day one when you say, I have identified a problem in the marketplace. Here's how I'm going to solve it. I have zero employees. That's the day I'm curious about. Oh, yeah. So day one was, was actually pretty amazing. It was about 2 o'clock in the morning, and I was sitting there looking at a giant emulsion blender, which was in the warehouse we had rented, and we didn't know what to do with it. And I knew what it did. And um, I sat down and wrote a formulation for the first wax that we ever launched, which was our butterwet wax. And you know, we blended a small batch in a 55-gallon drum, and the first couple of variations varied a lot. And the, you know, before six o'clock in the morning, I'm like, what are we going to do with this? We don't have a lid for the 55 gallon drum. So we ended up, um, hand bottling it into some bottles we had and doing a paper label. And we tried to get into a, a car show and couldn't. So we ended up in a parking lot of a car show, uh, doing demos on our paint with uh, these bottles of product. And before we knew it, the car was surrounded by people laughing and sharing stories and trying the product. And, we sold case upon case of product in three and a half hours. We sold uh, 840 bottles of wax and, uh, you know, kind of just uh, gave me goosebumps to think of the fact that there were so many people that were eager to try something new and see how it worked. And we whipped up a short demo where we showed people how easy it is to apply on paint, glass, metal, chrome. Uh, you could have applied it on so many different surfaces and it was so easy to work with because we just used great ingredients. We didn't have access to fillers. We didn't know what a filler even was. We we literally had raw carnauba and oils and some great ingredients that we were able to mix together and come up with a product. And that started the idea that people wanted great products that they understood and they knew what was going into them. Something that actually, you know, we only had clear bottles, so our product was yellow. And uh, that was very different from everybody else that had a black bottle or a blue bottle that was hiding behind, um, you know, a package. And we didn't have that because we had a clear package. We had to make the product look good and smell good. People really took a liking to that. And it opened up uh, an opportunity to do something that I really enjoyed. And along the way, there was a lot of people that wanted to jump on board and, and do something they really loved. Paul, who's the we? Uh, well, it's, there's two of us. It's uh, Paul Schneider and David Notek, my best friend and business partner. And we took on different uh, opportunities in the brand. I was the face and the formulator, and he was the back end, making sure that things got done and the, the business ran. And it's been us from the beginning. What was different about this 
this wax. I mean, it, it's we're all standing around. At, you're you're standing. You've got a little cardboard table that you've you've propped up at this car show, standing in the parking lot, and people are tripping out on it, going, "This is amazing." Well, this is. I was gonna. I was also gonna add that I, he was talking about having Carnuba around. Hey, did you just have a block of that sitting around? Why why did you have it so that you can make the formulation? But what made that? That seems like that was the echelon, the the high quality, uh, you know, car care product from the '90s and 2000s before we really got into these synthetics. Yeah, so at, great question. At the time, uh, I had a paint body shop, and uh, I knew a lot about mixing paints, and uh, I knew about mixing polishes because we mixed a lot of our own polishes for finishing cars. So we had access to a variety of white carnauba flakes, yellow carnauba flakes, oils that we used, and uh, you know, in in simplicity and growing, realize, hey, if I get paint on my hand. Uh, from painting a house or painting a car, I can use a gasoline or acetone to take it off. But I could also use a really refined oil, like a baby oil. So I thought in my head, well, if you can use baby oil or refined oil to remove something like paint, imagine what you could do if you had a refined carnauba wax that had a natural carnauba oil inside of it and, you know, warmed it up on a, a small little heat plate and out to see if it removed things like paint and light contamination. And without using a harsh abrasive, you were able to achieve a result that you weren't able to do without using an abrasive. So obviously it's very appealing when you could take a, a simple carnauba wax and remove uh, light contamination, uh, spray paint, uh, things that have settled in the paint without having to use a compound or having to use something abrasive that could damage cars. And that really appealed to me because you took the fear out of people when they could take a bottle of yellow wax that smelled like a banana and put a drop on their paint and not only make it shine, but also have it clean and remove some of the contamination they had on the surface. And if they used it on like a polished wheel, it would clean the wheel. It was basically kind of an, an all-around great product that, that seemed to be easy for people to use and, and they could get results instantly without making it overly complicated. So what was it about Carnuba and what was the alternative at the time? What what properties does it have? I know you said, you know, polishing and cleaning and easy to use. What were some of the alternatives that other brands or other people are at different price points and what makes Carnuba so such a a, a good um, base for, for these protectants? Well, I think when it comes down for Carnuba is more of a wax. It's not really a polish. So it doesn't have any particle abrasives in it. But when you're looking at formulating a product, a lot of products that were out there said Carnuba wax on the package, but it had 0.003. And since we only had four or five ingredients to work with, we used 15%, 23%, 36% Buba in formulating things and figured that by using more premium ingredients and less fillers, you got better products. And that seemed to be something that, you know, coming from a, a paint background and a body shop background, using key ingredients gave you better results. And there wasn't a lot of people using better ingredients and really thinking outside the box to make products that gave better results because the ingredients inside of them were actually better. And to top that off, I think proper usage was a thing that was really lacking is people didn't know that you could, if you had a good carnauba wax, you could emulsify it in a, in a water-based emulsion. So instead of it being oil-based, it was technically a water-based product. So you could apply it onto a wet surface. So after you got done washing your car, you didn't have to dry it perfectly. You could still apply our wax onto a wet surface, which was unheard of. And the product didn't separate because of the emulsion. So that way, not only did you not have to shake the bottle and it didn't have greasy, disgusting separation in it, but it was super easy to work with. You could take two or three drops and do an entire car in 15 seconds, 30 seconds, and then wipe it right off, and it gave you beautiful results. And that's really what it came down to. Was it, was a, it was a blend. It was a blend of showing them how to use it, 
having a high-end emulsion system that could blend a product that was ultimately at the end a water-based product so you could apply it onto a wet surface. And by doing that, you didn't have that strong, overwhelming chemical smell that people didn't like working with. You had a product that looked good, smelled good, gave you the results you wanted, you knew how to use it, and there was somebody in front of you showing you how to do it. And then the next step was to start making videos and content to teach the masses how to enjoy a great product and how to use it to get the results they really want. So what is Carnuba? Where does it come from? Is there a like a mythical creature in the Amazon? Do you squeeze it out of a flower? Like they, they grow it on the moon? I, I, I the wish moon? I could say it was. <laughs> I wish I could say it was a great unicorn, but it, it comes uh, predominantly from Brazil, from uh, from a carnauba plant, and it, it comes off of the leaves, and it's scraped off and filtered. And depending on the level of filtration and how high it's refined, you can take yellow carnauba and basically filter it out to a white or a more refined carnauba, and that's kind of how it started. Because now you have our hydro line ceramics, you have our hydro thread, which are, you know, specialty ceramics for fabrics. You have all this cool new technology, but it all starts with the same simple ideas. How do I reinvent the category? How do we as a company constantly push the boundaries of great products, innovation, whether it's with a, you know, a fun air freshener, which we have thousands of, or, you know, a, a great soap or a, an all purpose cleaner? or our hydro-ceramic stuff, it's, it's constantly asking, you know, what is out there? There's so many new ingredients every single day that are available to people. Are you looking at those ingredients and adding them to your product? Are you finding new applications for things? Uh, are you making it easier and more fun for people to do things themselves and to ultimately enjoy doing it? That's, that's where our passion lies, and that's something we're super excited about doing all the time. You've launched this uh, huge series of how-to videos, um, and you're teaching a group of people that have maybe never even washed their own cars before, let alone polished it, waxed it, used any type of ceramic coatings, which we're going to get into in a second. Which, so it's really neat, and it's, it's, it's you know, the average video has got more than 30,000 videos. Some have gone viral. Like, it's amazing. And that's just on YouTube, not even your, your Facebook or Instagram. So you've got quite a bit of presence. So, so kudos to you. You pulled that off. And the guys, I will say this about your YouTube channel, your team... They're young. They're 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 enjoyable to watch. They're they're, they're smiling. Well I mean, they're, they're having fun, just just like you, you know, want to portray the brand and and show people that this doesn't have to be a frustrating uh, process in order to make you know make your. I guess when you, are, I think doing our podcast for him is probably more frustrating than doing a how to <laughs> video, right? Well, I, you know, it shows people having fun, but there's nothing that connects people more with their cars than basically caressing the entire thing you know every nick every ding every scratch trying to do what you can to there's like there's like a pride of ownership that happens and there's a bonding that happens through the polishing and cleaning and detailing process that you don't get by sticking on an exhaust or a new set of wheels and tires it's a regular you know experience that you're having with your with your vehicle paul uh, i i think also that there's kind of a there's a mystery behind it for a lot of people. They think, well, I either go to the car wash or I can do some light cleaning myself or I hire a detailer for $350. Like there's not much in between for a lot of people that I know. You know, they think I can do a quick polish, I can do a quick wax, but when it, when it comes to like, what's that clay bar thing that's like a giant piece of bubble gum? I don't even know how to use that. That scares me. I don't want to deal with that. I'm just going to, I'm going to save up and I'm going to pay Joe down the street to do a full detail and and hope that he has chemical guys in the back of his truck that's what i'm saying now you guys are 100 percent right and, and really it, it's the platform that gives us the ability to do what we do and, and make it really unique for people is that it doesn't have to be as complicated as a ceramic or even a wax or even polishing it can be really simple 
And what that means is, you know, we, we have such a tremendous audience of people that want to just clean and condition their leather and their leather couch, their leather bag, their backpack, their, you know, a favorite um, baseball glove their dad or grandpa gave them. And that's where we shine. And what makes you unique is there's so many avenues to learn and have fun. If it's Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or YouTube, but it goes so much deeper than that because we have thousands of events across the globe, car shows, motorcycle shows, boat shows where people get to come out and, and communicate with us and share their passion. And that's kind of our concept has always been find your passion and make it shine. And we don't tell you what that passion is. It could be anything you want. And, you know, we have motorcycle riders and bicycle riders and, and people that are artists that are using our products. And it just opens up a lot of, a lot of options for people. You know, we have kids that come in the detail because, you know, they, they want to make their parents car clean, but then they figure out that they can also be able to make money for college. And then that same guy finishes college and ends up coming into one of your stores and starting a, an even larger detailing business or working with us or becoming part of our media team. It really is a family, and it's so cool. Well, I, I think, too, that you're – like how we started this thing, you're demystifying, right? And you're making it accessible when you're showing people, whether it's on-site, you're in a chemical guy's easy-up tent, and you're at a car show, or you're doing it with video. You're showing people that it's not hard. It, I mean, it, it's here's exactly. here are the steps. And I like some of your videos where you're, where you kind of – dispel some of the myths like you don't really have to do a you can do b and b takes half the time so there's kind of some some, and and you do that for a lot of different topics a lot of different products i had a question for you paul um do at what point did you start diversifying and what point do you stop diversifying meaning you're now into in home products you you mentioned like taking care of your uh, a baseball mitt or a backpack backpack, that those types of things like I realize that's a natural extension because the products that you're making work in those areas, but is that part of your bigger vision for chemical guys? And I don't want to get off the truck and car topic, but I think like how big is... No, it's super important. You really hit it on the head. And I think um, for us, uh, a lot of people look and think, well, I want to be here when I grow up, or I need to do this, or in order you know, to hit that next level, we need to do this. And really, if you just open your eyes and listen to your customers and listen to people that made us who we are, which is amazing car people that are passionate like you guys are, um, the answers are simple. You know, this year we had a pandemic and many businesses were closed and people were struggling in tremendous hardships. And we listened and people needed hand sanitizers. They needed them in hospitals and schools and, and everybody needed them. So we looked to our specialty and launched a uh, incredible line of hand sanitizers. We launched our 88 sprayable 80% alcohol spray that is used by everybody from firefighters to police officers to hospitals and detailers. And it, it really ad- addressed the need. And, and that's where we were able to shine in, in helping people. And if you look at our social media, you've seen, you know, the thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of bottles that we've donated to help people. But through the donations, they tried it and said, wow, this is something that was in need. I mean, people couldn't find toilet paper. That was a crisis. But imagine not being able to find things to keep your hands sanitized. And that helped us realize. Thank God, that, I, th- I thought Paul was going to say he started to make a toilet, uh, toilet paper. paper. I was, like, I, oh I, was I was going that. <laughs> it was it's, it's like a chemical toilet paper. It's a spray on. It, it, what it does is it polishes everything, so it, no residue, no streaks. I yeah. I would be scared to spray <laughs> anything at that part of my body. You know what I mean? Kind of like a glass cleaner. <laughs> yeah. Hey Paul, but there's a lot of fun parallels too, guys. You know, like we uh, our our torque line of foam cannons and foam blasters make it fun to foam up your car. 
and load them up with our soap. Okay, okay well, well pause there. Wait, 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 Paul. Wait, you're going so too fast. So, Paul, hold on. Pause there because I wanted to ask specifically about those two products. So I'm glad you brought them up. The, the foam cannon. There was a day... And Holman, that wasn't very long ago, only a couple of years ago, when everybody just took a bucket, they put the, you know, their the foam in you it. You put your foam, well, you put your uh, yeah. your, your liquid in it, and, and you yourself. sprayed the hose in, and right. the spray would foam up, right. and you take your your uh, sponge and you do the whole car. Yep. And by the time you did one side of the car, the other side would had no more foam anymore. The right. bubbles had all popped. Exactly. And then all of a sudden. Every detailer on the planet is using the foam gun, and it coats the whole vehicle equally, uniformly, and it's brilliant. How did that just happen overnight, and were you part of that process? Uh, I was definitely part of that process. So we launched our first torque foam blaster and torque foam cannon um, and kind of revolutionized the industry, and we, we wanted to address exactly what you said. And I'm sorry, I sometimes get so excited, but it's so crazy that when you think when you're a kid – you know, you hose off a car and it already starts drying and then you take your washman, you're dragging it in and you don't have a, a dirt trap in your bucket to filter the water. So by the time you finish one door, the other one's already dry and you're dragging the dirt over the car. So we wanted to think of how do we make this, first of all, fun? Well, how do we make the process awesome? And, you know, as a kid, you had a slip and slide or you ran through the sprinklers or, you know, you put uh, soap over a sprinkler and you shoot tons of studs and all those funny memories make you think, made me think when we're sitting with uh, our team, how do we do that at a car level? And we started designing a dispension system where you could put soap inside a canister and connect it with your everyday hose because not everybody has a pressure washer or some crazy system. So if you Hold on, that's the crowd going, that's the crowd going crazy, Paul. They love it. <laughs> <laughs> There's some kids in there that they're oh, on a oh, look, slide. Look, it's that guy in the back. It's that guy in the back. He's really excited. Hey, he's also shiny. Maybe he's been polished. Really shiny, yeah. <laughs> well, the best is when you're, you're using the foam gun. And, and you spray your neighbor? No, you spray oh. your kids because they're not helping you. You're like, what am I out here again? And I'm out here washing my no, kids' No, no, car. no, 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 no. You're having fun, though, remember? I'm having fun, but they're getting all foamed up. <laughs> they're going, they track it in-house, and mom gets all mad. I love it. So you started that. That start becomes a you know its own revolution. So now every detailer's doing using it, and then of course that bleeds into the average guy, the average girl who's who's wanting to to clean their car. So that only makes sense. At what point did you decide I'm going to get into power tools? So you know after you you really hit it on the head about the kids is how do you inspire your kid to want to come outside and wash your car when it's hot outside? How do you get your wife? you know, to come outside or your husband to come outside and do something they never wanted to do. You put a foam element. gun in their hand is what you do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then that became the same thing is how do you simplify the polishing experience? Because that's intimidating. You know, there's in order to get a polished car, there's three things you have to consider. And that's your choice of equipment, choice of pad and choice of chemical. And that makes it very complicated because machines have speed and rotations and there's rotary machines and dual action machines. And people don't know the difference. And immediately when something's spinning very fast, there's a fear that you'll damage your car. So when we launched our Torque line of tools, the first tool we ever launched was our Torque 10FX, which is a dual action polisher. It oscillates like your hand. And it took the fear out of it. And we made videos to show you how to use it and which pad to use it on. And we have soft pads and more aggressive pads. And those pads work with our chemicals. So it really kind of combined the idea of doing something faster having fun with it and making it easy. So you can facilitate the fact that now you have a polish that you were doing by hand that took a lot longer because you had one hand 
you know, you were holding your phone with the other one or, you know, trying to get the job done. But now you can have this simple, easy, affordable tool. And our whole line of Torque tools is also digital. So you can actually set the speed and you have this awkward dial where it's flimsy and confusing. We really try to simplify it and make it easy and advanced to where anybody could pick up a polisher. And if you look at our Instagram or our Facebook, you know, 90% of those pictures you see there, if not 95% of them, they're user-generated content. So those are kids and adults and women and people from all over the world polishing their cars or foaming their cars with our stuff and having a great time. And that's, that's really what it's about. Is it starts with a foam can and it leads to a polisher, leads to a coating, leads to interior coatings. And then before you know it, you have a business doing the stuff and everyone's having fun doing it. All right. So you just brought it up. You brought up interior. And it's one thing to have your uh, your kids and your family spraying foam all over the outside of the car and pretty easy to clean the outside of a vehicle, let's face it. But well, what if you have dogs and they're trampling mud into the Well, well not even that. Just the fact that the interior, A, there's a gazillion nooks and crannies. There's a million different materials in there. You have everything from touchscreens on new cars. You've got glass. You've got vinyl. You've got leather. Sometimes you have suede. What about you Naga carpet? I mean, Corinthian leather, right? <laughs> right. I, you, literally, <laughs> the interior is full of so many different materials are, is there really such a thing as an all-in-one cleaner for that? And why every time when I try and shampoo or take a spot out of my carpet, does it leave like that residue where my formerly smooth carpet looks like it's all balled up and, and crunchy now? Oh, I like when yeah, I I'm, clean the I, seat and it changes the color. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> bad. Now I have a streak. I'm yeah. glad you guys well, Actually, that's <laughs> it, different. It happens to everybody. That's different on yours because yours are so dirty. That's actually just cleaning the dirt off the seat. Oh, that's what's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. Okay. You right. want that. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Is there really an all-in-one? Is that something that actually exists? Or so, are you better so there's, off there's choosing There's no something? all-in-one. And the reason there is no all-in-one is everybody's car is different. Your interiors are different. If you, you know, you might have a car with a fabric interior. You might have one with a leather interior. You might have one with a, uh, you know, a, a vinyl or a, an imitation leather interior. There isn't a one product that fits all. I mean, obviously, we have products like Inner Clean, which is our interior detail spray, and then we make our Nonsense, which is our colorless and odorless super cleaner, which you can clean surfaces like your carpet, like your vinyl, like your plastic. So we, we also have a product called Total Interior, which really does address all the surfaces of a car. However, if you have kids or pets, you want to, before you do anything to the car, right, when you buy it, you can buy our Hydro Thread, which is a fabric coating. Uh, it is uh, very easy to use. You simply spray it on the fabric, and it not only helps protect the fabric against UV rays and normal uh, wear and tear inside the car, but it also creates a hydrophobic situation. So by making it hydrophobic, if water drops on it or juice or anything, not only is it easier to clean up, but it helps protect the fabric. And that same goes for leather. You know, when you have a leather interior on your car and you get in to the leather interior with some blue jeans and your blue jeans transfer color onto your seat, now you have a serious problem removing that. Now, in order to reduce that, all you have to do is take some precautions like preconditioning your leather. So if you had bought a new car or an old car, you simply buy a leather conditioner, condition those seats to where the leather isn't sucking up everything you put on it, and then you, you basically protect the interior. So there's all these simple and easy-to-use choices. For leather, we have a leather conditioner. We make it in sprayable, creamy, high shine or low shine. You know, we have uh, carpet and upholstery protectants. We have dash products for maintaining, uh, you know, your dash. There's basically an easy-to-use product for everything. 
And that way you kind of not only take the guesswork out of it, but you ultimately don't want to use, uh, you know, the same body soap to brush your teeth and clean your eyes and clean everything on your body. You don't <laughs> oh. want to do that to your car. <laughs> oh, yeah. okay. Well, then that's maybe a problem I've been <laughs> yes. having. Hey, so, Paul. Someone's been brushing their teeth with soap on a rope. <laughs> th- <there's>, yeah. <laughs> so, th- kind of interesting is that my mom. Um, easy. My mom didn't know easy. Much, so my mom didn't Lightning, have- easy. What do you mean? I haven't even started yet. I'm just saying easy. This is a G-rated story. All right. Very good. G-rated. All right. Continue then. And it's appropriate because talking about leather care. Okay. So my mom would sit shotgun with my dad all the time, and uh, and I didn't realize it. So we were out. This is a couple years back, and she went to get in the car. I opened the door, let her, and she gets in, and I look at the right-hand armrest, and the uh, kind of gray, light gray interior, kind of the same color as like a MacBook, right? It's that light silvery gray interior in this BMW. And her armrest was yellowed, and then I noticed that the uh, the center console armrest, but the right side of it, the passenger side of it, where she would have put her left elbow, was also yellowed. And I thought, well, that's weird. And I said, Mom, what's going on here? What are you putting on your arms? And she attributed the, it to either her lotion, like her, her moisturizer, or just the pH balance of her skin. And we never really pinpointed what it was, but it changed the color or took the dye out of the leather. And I'm wondering what they could or should have done to prevent that, because ultimately they went back to the BMW dealer and they hired a third party guy to come down and airbrush the silver color back on, like he repainted the interior, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. But what do you recommend yeah. for that? Where and, and what happened there? So a lot of times, hardly anybody ever takes the time to take a towel and a, and a leather cleaner and see what's on their steering wheel or what's on their um, armrest. And usually what happens is normal wear and tear, things like your lotions, your high acidity body sweat, um, tanning creams and things they use are taking a toll on those interior surfaces. So simply keeping it clean is going to greatly protect it, but using a interior conditioning product similar to a leather conditioner for leather or a vinyl conditioner like our VRP, vinyl rubber plastic uh, protectant. Those are things that will keep the surface supple, soft, and not absorbing the sweats and things that are on your body. But my dad dad was super, super anal about keeping all that stuff moisturized. He detailed himself uh, like regularly. That's where I got it. He was probably using the wrong products, Lightning. Well, that's possible, sure. But is there a barrier layer he could have or should have put on there? Yes, correct. So there's, there's two things he might. Even if you are very quick about keeping things maintained, you don't understand that your body sweats and is extremely acidic. Um, you know, my father, for example, would turn any white shirt yellow after he wore it because of the simple high pH of his sweat. And having known that, we were able to start conditioning and taking care of things like our leather couch at home, like the interior of a car, because if not, it does get destroyed. And there are products uh, like our VRP protectant, like our leather conditioner, uh, and we are always looking at constantly developing new ones that will help protect and add a barrier between you and the vehicle. Is that where we want a ceramic coat, something like that? Or it, and let's talk about well, hold ceramics on. No, after that. Before we go on a ceramic coat, I have to ask Paul oh, one very you. important question. He's talking about leaving a barrier behind, right, to, to protect what's underneath. Is that what's happening in that old Ram truck of yours that has the sticky steering wheel? Because I feel like maybe Paul is the correct person to talk to Interesting. because you tried all sorts of things. You rubbed like boogers on it. You no, put Dawn do soap on it. You you rubbed uh, oil on it. And so you, let's give Paul the backstory. It's a 2007 Ram 
uh, dually with a silver, a, a gray interior. Uh, with biology growing on the uh, on the steering wheel. And the, the, steer, the steering wheel, Paul, is Disgusting. so sticky. It, it looks gray from a distance. Then you get close and it's got a... It's got a, a a blackish to it. Basically, Almost, you need to light and, it on fire and start over. But we we're hoping if you had some sort of product <laughs> that might allow it to not be uh, destroyed. Well, yeah, I'm I'm to the point where we're gonna have to buy a new steering wheel, get a grant like aftermarket wheel or something. We got a lot of suggestions there, but I don't want to do that. I want to use a product. Yeah. And so, but what we did, Paul, is I I used a bunch of stuff that our our listeners recommended, and then basically added more layers to it. Well, I thought <laughs> that at first I tried to strip it away. I'm using I'm using alcohol, G- denatured alcohol. I'm using no, I didn't use gasoline, <laughs> but I'm using everything to like what is the sticky and can I get rid of it and I couldn't get rid of the whatever was creating the seat Paul this is this is uh, <laughs> disgusting because the the vehicle has been driven by about 400 people over the years it's a shop and, truck. and has never been cleaned right so what's fascinating about it is, is typically no, you'll get into no, an, an but, old shop truck or something right and it's a hot day and the thing starts to off gas and and move and that whatever is growing on there tends to you know just be worse, right? Mm-hmm. And then when it's cold, it's not so bad because, no, no, this is bad all the time. It doesn't care about temperature. It doesn't care about sunlight. It just, it's, the steering wheel is going to become, it's going to steer itself, I think, is <laughs> it's what's going to happen. It's going to grow legs. <laughs> it's, it's something like that. Itself. It's nasty. Well, it, and it, the sticky comes off in your hands, and you. I have to come, to, like when I drive it here, to Motor Trail. Yeah, you have to use a, uh, a Alcohol wipe. No, I had to burn the top layer of my skin off with a torch. <laughs> I couldn't get it off. Help us, Paul. What can we use to clean this thing off? I, I, I think I think this sounds like something we might want to see. So you might have to drive this over to Detail the Garage and have us look at it. Because I think I think I might be able to teach your steering wheel some tricks, or maybe oh. have to touch a ball by the way you're describing it. Sounds like a video for our Instagram account. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a, if you can figure it out, dude, that's a video for sure. Because we would um, love to see you guys at a Detail Garage. If you guys want to cruise it by, we got. Well, uh, I mean, if you're offering that, I've got a brand new 2020 uh, Wrangler JL that just went on a 3,000 mile trip. Don't step and it, on me. And I'm it might, first. It might need a little love after uh, the mountain we're pinstripes in. of Colorado. You guys want to bring it over? We're in. So let me ask you. Uh, let's talk. In a, uh, well, we need to talk two things. Right. One is ceramics. Ceramics, and two are your stores. So first, so let's go to ceramic. And so the question that we have is, for example, I I bought a brand new. 2020 Jeep, right? And I'm out in the desert. I'm doing all this stuff. And I looked at ceramic coating, and the prices are like two grand to three grand to have the the Jeep gone over in ceramic coated and protected. And I'm going, I just can't justify that percentage of the purchase price. And then you see a lot of manufacturers and in, in companies like yours that have a ceramic product. So I guess there's a couple questions that I'm going to embed in this one question. Uh, number one is, what is the percentage? of protection that you can get from a shelf-type product that you would use at home in your garage versus a professional doing it, or is it the same? And what should a new car owner do immediately or as soon as possible to make sure they have the most protection for the longest amount of time, or is it just simply you need to wax it every three months? So, phenomenal question. Um, it also depends on the type of driver that you're talking about. So, the first step is when you buy a new vehicle, even though you may think it's new, it's been sitting on a lot. It has been in transport cars. It's been driven. It's been washed by people. So the very first thing you want to do is look at it. We'll bring it into one of our detail garage stores, and we'll look at it together. And you tell us, are you happy with the way this looks, or do you want some of the micro-scratching, the marring, the spider webbing, anything that's in the paint or in the exterior stuff repaired? So the first step is what you're starting with. 
And, and how you want to do that is you also want to feel the condition of your pain because more often than not, when you feel something, it has kind of this rough, sandy feel, which is when you want to use a clay bar to make sure it's smooth. So the first step is we're going to wash a vehicle, then we're going to clay it, make sure the paint is smooth, and we're going to look at the paint. What if it, actu- what if it actually gonna- has sand on it, Paul? <laughs> like <laughs> mine does right now. Well, you want to wash that off first, <laughs> okay. very carefully, as to not scratch it more. It, we should probably add the uh, the caveat into this is right now with all the wildfires here in the western U.S. and especially California, everybody has nasty ash laying on their paint right now. So I'm yeah. guessing this is probably a, a perfect opportunity to talk about that as well. It really is. So then you're touching on the first thing you want to do is rinse off your car and use a foam cannon or a foam blaster to help loosen some of that debris. That way you don't scratch it into the paint and then rinse it off with a hose or use a wash mitt depending on the condition of your vehicle. So once you figure that component out, you have to decide, is this something I want to take to a shop and have it professionally polished or is am I happy with the look of it or do I want to tackle it myself? So once you've either tackled it, taken it into a shop, either way you have a surface that you're happy with that's when the real choices kick in. So when you're looking at your car and you're like, I like the way this looks, I want to protect it, you have some choices. And the first choice is you can go to a professional shop, pay, you know, the whatever price you set up. It's about $2,000 and above for a ceramic coating. Or you can buy that same ceramic coating from us. Uh, we sell the professional um, ceramic coatings that you can apply yourself. But they are a little bit more challenging for people because they do require a little bit of expertise, meaning that they have to apply with a microfiber applicator uh, in an airtight environment that has less dust and then buffed off with a clean microfiber towel to reduce any scratching. Now, if any of that seems overwhelming, um, you can buy easy-to-use products like our Hydro Slick, which is a ceramic gel, our Hydro Charge, which is a sprayable ceramic, and you can apply those very easily yourself and get up to a year of protection. Now, lots of brands tell you that you can get three or five years of protection, and that's a little bit misunderstood because unless you're washing your car every week and taking perfect care of it, you're still enjoying the car, which means you're taking it off-roading, going on adventures. You know, in worst-case scenario, you have sand and things settling on your car, and that's still scratching your paint. So you still have to bring it back to the professional. They still need to polish and reapply that ceramic, which seems to me is something most people can do themselves. So if you have access to a hydro charge or a hydro slick that you can apply once a year, twice a year for five to 10 minutes, to me, that's an easier journey and a more exciting one because it still enables me to say, yes, I bought a Dodge Ram or I bought a Ford Mustang and I took it with my buddies out for a, you know, a trip to uh, wherever and I brought it back and now I get to rinse it off. The vehicle looks like it still has some rough grit in the paint. Then I can use a clay bar. I can polish those off. And I can reapply the ceramic myself without having to take it somewhere and spend more money and get a service that I don't really understand. And that becomes an issue with, or, or kind of an opportunity for people because when I bought my uh, Aerial Atom, for example, and it, it, there's no actual body panels on the car, it's just the frame. The first thing I did to the frame was ceramic coat that frame because I knew it was going to be exposed to salt water and sand and driving it through the canyons. And then I still have the option after I applied the professional ceramic coating to do a DIY session with our easy-to-use gel being the Hydro Slick or our Hydro Charge Spray, which takes minutes after I wash it and adds up to a year of protection and a beautiful shine. Not to mention the 16-ounce bottle can do you know 20-plus vehicles. So you're really getting a great value and an easy-to-use product that people can enjoy. Did you say Ariel Adam? And how can I get a ride? <laughs> right? I'm saying <laughs> the same damn thing. <laughs> Those things are uh, Listen, awesome. You guys are local. You're in Cali, right? We're just down the street yeah. from you because you guys are in, what, Gardena? We're in El Segundo. Yeah. 
So all you need to do is shoot me a text or a call and come down to Gardena. The Ariel Adams in my garage in Venice, I bring it to work. You guys are welcome to go for a ride, play with our products inside the store, test things out, meet our awesome crew. Anytime you guys want, just give us a heads up because obviously what's going on in the world, we need to schedule the uh, the, the tour and everything else. But we'd love to have you guys, and you are welcome to go for a ride in Ariel Adam. Paul, we are more than happy to show up in bubble wrap if uh, if we get to oh. <laughs> ride uh, Ariel Adam and, and rub ceramic coating on each you other. You know what's funny is I've actually been in bubble wrap before. I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's, that's a different wrapped. story. Yeah, well, we can't talk about uh, it on do you, can, can you ceramic coat your arms? Because as I've gotten older, I can tell that my uh, my arms are very sensitive to sunlight. And uh, maybe you guys need to be doing ceramic coated lotion. Well, I want to talk. Can we can we dig we'll get, into ceramic? Yeah. Coating? What is ceramic coating, and how does it actually work? Because I think the buzzword in the industry right now is ceramic coating, but I don't know that everybody yeah. truly understands a what it is, b how it works, and c is it is it really everything that the, it's hyped up to be? Some people, I think, Paul, <laughs> think it's a it's not a 3M adhesive that is it's not going like to be, a wrap. It's not a it's rock, not a barrier. In no, that it's way. not a rock guard. Right. So this is. Not It doesn't serve that purpose. If you're driving from here to Palm Springs, for example, and there's a dust storm and you have ceramic coating. It's still going to hurt. It's still going to hurt. It's going to be a mess. Yeah. So if, if that's yeah, your I mean, worry, you still get a 3M or an Avery. Clear bra. Clear bra, or all that like, stuff, yeah. right? So what does well, ceramic coating and, and do? And that's really the funny part is that, you know, you, um, I personally have a vehicle that is clear bra wrapped. And then once you clear bra wrap your car, you want to protect your clear bra or you want to protect your wrap because you spent three to seven thousand dollars to wrap your car so then you're still buying a ceramic to protect your clear bra or your vinyl wrap so you're back to where we started well that's just so insane ceramic- <laughs> 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 i mean that's kind of the irony of this is you buy a new car and then you decide do i want to ceramic coat this being a last layer a sacrificial layer coating which you know is actually a protective layer that sits on the paint so yes in theory if you had a product applied to the final stage of your paint and you are driving, it will harden your paint. It will offer protection against the elements. Obviously, if you have rocks hitting your paint, it's still going to chip, but it's not going to chip as bad. So that's kind of the concept is you buy a new car and you have to decide, do I want to ceramic coat it or do I want to clear bra it? And if you clear bra it, you know, you're definitely setting yourself up. And I'm not talking the small little bra that goes on the front of your car. My vehicles are fully clear bra. So then once you've spent the three to $6,000 to clear bra your car, the sun is deteriorating your clear bra. So then you want to put a ceramic on top of that. So it, it kind of becomes an overwhelming journey. So for me personally, I think a ceramic coating, a DIY ceramic coating like HydroCharge or HydroSlick is easy to use. It's extremely affordable. Yeah, you know, anybody can apply it. And it is a true ceramic that will last up to a year. So it'll give you added durability. Uh, a brilliant shine and truly the best thing for me is the hydrophobicity of the product so that way when you're washing it you don't get those hard calcium water spots on your paint that you get all the time oh, hydrolubricity that, that was my favorite important. band growing up paul i saw them all the time <laughs> well it's weird because when they went from ska and then went to like old school punk rock and then they broke up, and it was, it was just tragic hydrolubricity. Yeah, they were good in their day, though. They put out a 45 every couple of weeks, oh, so it was just great. I would yeah. go to Licorice Pizza, that record store down the street from my house. <laughs> oh, it was great. Hey, how does how does it work? So we all say the words as ceramic coating as if we know. We don't. How does it actually work on a chemical basis? 
So without really boring you guys, there's there's variations. There's true ceramic products and there's SiO2 based products. And you know the the marketing behind a lot of the industry is that it is almost like a glass coating or a glass-like coating for your car. But I think in order to keep things simple, we want to look at it as is almost like a clear coat that you're applying to your car that hardens the paint and offers a durable layer. So think of it almost like if you have a wood table and you're putting a piece of glass on top of that wood table, it's going to prevent it from, from scratching, from dings, from people putting their coffee on and deteriorating it. And that's kind of how you want to look at it is when you apply a true ceramic, like our Carbon Flex, which is the same professional product that you would have a, a professional apply, it is adding a literal layer on top of your paint. So you can see it, it you know, it does protect, it is there, and you know, you can also multi-layer it. So you can start off with one layer, similar when you're painting a bike as a kid. You apply one coat, you see there's still some patches, you apply a secondary coat, up until you get that final finish. Do you get the, uh, those with. running streaks from uh, painting too much because you're impatient as a kid? <laughs> the drip. The drip on <laughs> the, the drip. chrome. When and then you, you have to sand it off. With like... bike with an aerosol. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> We've all been there. Let's well, be honest. So, so, but, Paul, does it fill in the gaps? Because at a microscopic level, our paint is porous, right? And is it filling in all those valleys and then smoothing it over? Is that how it's working? So depending on the product you get, there are self-leveling ceramic coatings. So our Hydro line is self-leveling. Our Carbon Flex, which is our professional version, is self-leveling. So yes, paint will have imperfections. There's no way it can be perfect since it's either applied by a robot or a human being. There are imperfections in the paint. So the first step is you're cleaning, you're polishing, you're trying to get that first level as good as possible, and then you apply your, your application by hand. And it does level out because if not, you would have streaks in the paint. So it is when you think of how a car is painted, it is painted with a high-pressure system like a paint gun. And even then, you can still get drips in it. Now, when you're applying it with your hand, something like a ceramic, you're using a microfiber applicator. So it is impossible to know how much you apply in one area versus another because the car obviously slopes and you're doing door panels that are far more slanted than your hood. So having a ceramic product that is extremely refined and a good quality makes it the fact that it's self-leveling easy to work with. So you don't get high and low uh, areas on your surface, which, you know, kind of maybe takes it outside the realm of what a normal person can do and thinking, what is a high and low spot? It's similar to if you take a paintbrush and you layer paint heavily in one area and you go thin in another, you can clearly see that. So having self-leveling products, and that's a term, makes it easier to use. However, if you want to go to the next level of ease, you can go to a easy-to-use sprayable or gel-based ceramic that might not last four years, but the reality of it is if you could apply it every five months, seven months, or a year, and it's so easy to work with, why wouldn't you do it? And it's also very cost-effective when you can get a bottle of hydrocharge and simply apply it with a microfiber applicator in three minutes over your whole car. And you can do that once a month, once every four months, once every six months, or up to a year. It's just so much easier for people to try a ceramic themselves and decide if it's for them or not before venturing to spend a crazy amount of money to have somebody else do it. So your recommendation if uh, for like Holman, he had taken possession of his JL, his Jeep, uh, he drove it across the country, but assuming like he picked it up near his house in Huntington Beach, he brought it home, he did a quick clay uh, no, even sure. with just I drove it cross country from the dealership home. Now what do I do? Well, but I get that's not normal. What I want to say is I want to make it more relatable to the average person. But it's they, it's more worst case scenario. 
Okay, well, let me do mine first. So they, they, they drive it home from a local dealership, which is probably more often the case than not, and they, they do their best to clean it, right, and they make sure there's no water spots. What product are they using right off the bat? Are they using Hydro Slick? Are they using which one of the – or Hydro Charge? Which one is the product Great that question. we want to look at? So with Hydro Slick, we made it simple for people. Hydro Slick is a hyper wax, which means it applies like a wax but is actually a ceramic base. And what that means is that you can put it on your applicator, work it on the surface, and buff it off with a towel, which is something you've been used to since the Karate Kid movies with the wax on, wax off. So it is a gel. It's easy to work with. You can use it on paint. You can use it on glass, and it works super well, and it's very easy to work with. Now, if you are used to a spray and want something that's fast, you can use HydroCharge, which you can spray onto a microfiber applicator, work it onto the paint, and buff it off with a towel. It's very, very easy to work with. So then once you've washed the vehicle, felt the paint, make sure you don't feel that. I'm going to put the phone against the table so you can hear it. There's that rough kind of grinding sound, and that usually means you have contamination in your paint. That happens from rail dust, brake dust, airplane fallout, all types of contaminants settle in your paint. Bird poop. Yeah, bee poop. Exactly. I mean, bird poop, extremely aggressive, things like bird poop. People don't realize. You don't know what the bird eats. Bird poop is nasty. Like, it will forever stay in your paint if you don't get it off immediately. I, I, you know... My yep. wife has come home with bird poop from like work, and I'm out there immediately hosing it off. She goes, "No, I just washed my car." No, like, no, 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 no. Well, you got to get that off, or you, your paint is ruined. You want to do it while it's wet yeah. still. It, well, and it's already been cooking for three hours in the yeah. sun, and then air dried on her way home. No, you guys are spot on. You have no idea what that bird ate. If you ever look at what a seagull eats, it is disgusting. Everything from bones to all kinds of things that mixes with stomach acid, and it comes out uh, onto your paint. And the longer it sits there, the more it attacks your paint. So you want to wipe that off immediately and uh, and get it off as fast as you possibly can. So Holman does his journey, goes through Colorado, his crazy off-road trip, and then he decides he needs a, a clay bar. And I wanted to talk about clay bars for one second because the first time I watched my detailer use a clay bar, I thought, whoa, 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 wait, hold on. It's got sediment in the paint, and now you're going to scrape that. You're just going to destroy – how – it's so it's not intuitive because you're taking what appears to be like 10 day old bubble gum and you're scraping it into the paint. Yes, you're using a lubricant, you know, whether you spray down something. But I think I'm looking going, this is going to leave the worst swirl marks ever. And of course, watching the detailer and now it's beautiful and it's 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 glass smooth. How does a clay bar work and when do we use it? Clay bars are exceptional. I'm glad you asked. Now, there's two types of technology. We have a clay bar and a clay block. The clay bar is sort of how you defined it. It is almost like chewing gum. However, the difference in clay bars is when clay bars first came out, clay bars were chewing gum with an abrasive inside of them. They had a light abrasive, a medium abrasive, and a heavy abrasive, like sandpaper. So while you were rubbing against your paint, it was not only removing contaminations, but scratching and marring your surface. So when we set out to engineer a clay bar, our clay bars do not have abrasives in them. They are like chewing gum and have different densities, which means there's a light density, a medium density, and a heavy density. The light density one is is very pliable, so you can squeeze it easily in your hand. That means it picks up even the finest contamination without scratching your paint. So if you drop chewing gum out of your, your mouth onto the floor and you pick it up, it will pick up everything that it hit when it hit the floor. And that's exactly what a clay bar is doing is it is grabbing a hold of the sharp edges of the contamination that's in your paint and pulling it out of the paint. And what you do with a clay bar, first of all, you start off by washing your car. And once your car is clean, you use a lubricant to lubricate the surface and you glide the clay bar. 
Now, after you glide the clay bar softly back and forth, you'll see that it's turned brown or black. And that's when you want to either mold it to a clean side, fold it over to a clean side, or switch it for another piece of clay bar. And just like your body, you wash your face before you wash your lower extremities, you want to do the same thing with your car. So you're going to wash your hood first and clay your hood, your trunk, the top portions of the doors, and then work your way down to the bottom of the doors because then you're going to pick up a lot more contamination. So a clay bar, if you have light contaminants, and you, you can run your hand down the paint or your desk and you can hear that rough sound. It's almost like a sandpaper sound. If you can feel that, you definitely need the clay. If you're running your hand across the paint and you feel sandy or gritty, or you hear a sound that is sandy or gritty, you definitely want to clay your car. And obviously, if your paint is extremely oxidized and very heavily filled with contaminants, you might want to clay it and then polish it because you might not be able to see how badly the paint is scratched. But every time you wash your car or touch your car when the car is contaminated, you're adding scratches to the paint. That's why you always want to clay your car when it feels rough to reduce those particles that are stuck in your paint and creating friction and destroying your finish. I was looking at uh, your Facebook page, and that's at Chemical Guys MFG Co. And the uh, video that you have running at the top right now is with the uh, Hydro Slick product. And it is a great video because it shows the difference between the coated side and uncoated side of a vehicle. You guys are going through mud. You're showing just the uh, uh, air you know, dryer blowing the, the water dots or the water droplets off the headlights. I'm curious about, you know, as an automotive journalist, we get a lot of vehicles from the Midwest that are manufactured in the Midwest. And the Midwest has horrible, horrible acid rain. And there's a lot of cars that are manufactured that come from middle America that have water drops that are etched into the glass. I've had many um, long-termers, even short-term vehicles, that when you washed it or it rained, you could see the etching from the acid rain on a brand new car that was maybe only a month old. What's the best way to get those water spots off of the glass and, and keep it protected? Or can you? So you're dealing with two things. You're dealing with etching on paint and etching on glass. So there's two types of etching. Etching from extremely uh, calcium-rich water, where the calcium is hardened onto it and they look like little circles, and there's the acid version. With the acid version, you are dealing with physical damage to your clear coat or your paint. And more often than not, you still have to clay the car and in some cases polish it or even water sand it. So you are removing that top layer of clear or paint depending on the car because that is the only way to get rid of it. Similar to a bird dropping, if you have acid etching in your paint, the acid has already etched your paint. Just like a bird dropping, once you remove it, you can still see that etching in the paint. So the only way to remove that is by removing that layer. And that usually means a light polish like our V-line and a pad or a machine. And in some rare cases, water sanding the finish to remove that top layer before you polish it. And with glass, it's exactly the same. You can polish glass, but you do have to be very careful because depending on the glass you have, Lots of glass now has uh, security and safety points. So if you apply too much pressure, you can shatter the glass. You want to make sure you see a professional for that before you take it into your own hands. Likewise, if the, the, the glass is heavily scratched, you need to know what you're doing before you go to polish it because you're going to put a lot more scratches in that paint if you don't know what you're doing or into the glass if you don't know what you're doing. So let's transition and talk about your stores, your detail garages. Now, how did those get started? And you've got 60, am I correct? Are they over 60, almost okay. 70, correct? Are these company owned or are they franchises? And I'll tell you why I ask after you answer. So we actually have both. Um, we have our own stores and we also have franchise stores. 
and the beauty of them and why they started was when we opened our first store, um, we really wanted um, to have a place where people can come in, gather, learn, ask questions. And the general feeling is every time I ran into a store or walked into a hardware store, somebody would come up to me if you could even find them and ask me if I needed help finding something. Well, I found the hardware store and that's probably the extent of it. And they didn't care to spend the time with me to teach me you know, what I needed to learn, nor did they know it. It's like when you go to a hardware store and you tell them you're redoing your bathroom and they say, great, tiles on four, uh, nails are on seven. <laughs> and you're like, what about plumbing? What are we doing? So at Detail Garage, we, we have a, a very simple philosophy. First thing we do is we welcome you to Detail Garage and we ask you how you found out about us. And people are really quick to tell you they watched the video or they went to a car show or their cousin uses the product. And then we're going to walk out with you to your vehicle or take a look at your phone if you have any pictures of your vehicle and kind of go over it as what it is you want to do. And that's when you get to really figure out how amazing the human element is, is, is having people inside the Detail Garage store that are excited to share an experience with you and show you how to do something for yourself and, and welcome you back to share the outcome. You know, it, it starts off with a customer or a group of customers or a car club or, or uh, literally sometimes it's just a, a, a whole office of people that want to learn how to take care of their own cars. And they realize through the process that they all share a similar passion. They're having fun doing it. So they're going to bring their cars to our rising coffee events and show them off. And they'll come out to some of our drives and, and, and come out every weekend and, and share kind of the outcome of what they did. And that's really the power of a detail garage store is, is back to our motto, which is find your passion and make it shine. You know, we've been very fortunate to have amazing franchisees and, and really a, a tremendous community of people that shines. And, you know, it's fun to walk into a Detail Garage store. You know, rather than asking you, or you walk into a supermarket where the eggs are and you say they're on Alfar, we ask you, what do you make it? And if you say you're making an omelet, then we want to, we want you to put bacon in it. We want you to put cheddar in it. We want you to put mushrooms in it. And then all <laughs> well, of a sudden, not you're mushrooms, Paul. Let's no, be honest. No mushrooms. No mushrooms. And stop it because you're making us freaking hungry. We're talking about ordering pizza before the show started. <laughs> and I was on, thinking now, about chorizo myself, but I'll take the bacon. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. <laughs> hey, so Paul, like I said, you got 60 locations, and here's why I asked because we got a lot of entrepreneurial spirits. In our uh, in our listenership here, a lot of people, you know, guys who are maybe looking to make a move, on, you know, they've been at the same gig or they, they want to try something new, and they're all fanatics about their vehicles in our audience, I would say. Um, and I'm looking at your map here. you got a ton of locations in California, all throughout the southwest, Texas, into Florida, the northeast, et cetera. But you're, you've got some holes in Colorado, South Dakota, Nebraska, Iowa, Minnesota, North Dakota, Montana, Washington, Oregon. And I'm wondering... If we have listeners up in Montana, you got a whole state to yourself. Can they? How do they contact you and start a dialogue about learning more about about franchising? Is that even actually? Uh, is that a thing? Easy. It is. Yeah, it's definitely a thing. We have a ton of people traveling from all over the world to experience Detail Garage and get more info. So it's super easy. You can hop on the Chemical Guys website. Right at the bottom, there's a franchise link. You can get more information. We can set up a tour where you can check out what a Detail Garage store is. You're also able to visit and, and interact with uh, all of our amazing franchisees across the globe and get to see their experience and how they're enjoying it. And ultimately, the beauty of it is, is you know, what we found is whether you are uh, on the East Coast or the West Coast, the experience is the same. People want a place where they can call their own. And, and you know, we, we have an amazing location in Detroit that's exceptional. And, you know, and in the wintertime, people are winterizing their vehicles and taking care of their interior 
And for a lot of people, their car is their business. If you're an Uber driver, a limo driver, a Lyft driver, keeping the interior of your car clean is so important, especially now with what's going on in the world. Nobody wants to get into a dirty car. So all of our facilities and all of our locations offer hands-on classics and basic detailing classes and hands-on polishing courses. So any of these people can tackle things that seem complicated and make them simple. And, you know, it's such a great thing when I get picked up from the airport, I can get to get inside a car that doesn't smell like armpit and sit on that <laughs> and put my arm on an armrest that isn't greasy and gross and full of sweat. Well, you and because, I should be uh, embarrassed you know, to bring our cars to Paul, by the way. Dude, just... you should have seen, <laughs> dude, when I was at Daytona truck meet, you should have seen the Voyager van that I rode uh. around in. It was so janky and gross <laughs> that I, it was actually... It was so gross that I thought, this is kind of cool. Like, this guy just doesn't care. He just, no, like, no. Not he, cool. just, he just doesn't care. I thought, you know, I mean, my son and I washed up after we. But, I'm sure you dude, did. Dude, his name was Jimmy, and I went on <laughs> six trips with him. I called him back and had him pick us up, uh, as opposed to, like, an Uber or whatever. Because you wanted to go back in the filth wagon. Well, no, because, you know, well, A, he knew, like, he knew the neighborhood. He grew up in, in Daytona, the whole thing. But it was just funny because, like, when you went to tip him, did you tip him with a chemical guy's detailing kit? No, but that would have been uh, no. That's like handing someone a toothpick after they're like, "Oh, what's in my teeth?" Uh-huh. You know, I don't know if you do that, right? I got to say though that uh, Paul, you're you're inspirational. You're I mean, you're you're an entrepreneur, and I, I love that you're spreading the gospel. Like, it, it's super cool. I don't see the other companies doing this. You know, the the other guys who do what you do as far as the product line and stuff, they're out there. They have classes and stuff, but the passion. You're just like you're sweating passion. Is that right? No, I don't know. Oozing, oozing, oozing passion. Oozing like a uh, a ceramic gel. Yeah, out of a out of a a sixteen ounce bottle. (laughs) There you go. There you go. So uh, one last question before we let you go, Paul. I'm curious, what is the shelf life? Of the products, because how many of us? Thank have- God. I, I thought you were going to ask what's the shelf life on our show. Thank <laughs> God you didn't. No, 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 no. So you know, you every one of your friends has twenty-seven bottles of everything they've picked up over the years. How long? What's reasonable to wash your car with a product that's been sitting on the shelf? I know you mentioned earlier that part of the premium ingredients that you guys use it means that you don't have to shake it; it doesn't separate. But what's what's the story behind that? So I'll give you the short of it. The short of it to me is this is if I ever visit a friend of mine and they got a bottle of mouthwash that's been sitting in their kitchen or their uh, bathroom for, a, you know, up to a year, they're not using it. They probably need to reconsider <laughs> what they're doing with that product. So that's one big thing for us is we never want you to have a product sitting on yourself. That's not what it's for. You know, I, I laugh, but when I was a kid, I, I bought a, a brand new baseball bat and I kept beating the hell out of my old baseball bat and I never got to use the new one because I stopped playing baseball because in the back of my head I was thinking I don't want to ruin that new bat and that's horrible and one of the biggest things I've learned in life is seize the day and live for every day for what it is and, ruin your and bat damn it ruin your bat <laughs> is that his, that his mantra ruin your bat ruin your bat that's it that is, that's the everything ruin in life the bat. Go, yeah everything summed go, up in one phrase Paul. have fun at it Ruin the bat. I'm going to make a baseball sticker. I mean, a sticker out of that. But you know, the reality <laughs> of it is, is, we don't want you to ever buy a product and, and keep it stored on your shelf. We want you to use it. So the products do have a, a great shelf life. You know, they all have a born-on date. And a product like a soap, if you you store it in a cool area, you know, like with anything else, you don't want to keep them in a hot garage. You don't want to keep them in the trunk of your car. You want to store them per the instructions in a, a nice, cool area. And you can easily store them for a year or even two. But if you have a, a great chemical guy soap or a wax or a, a, a hydro product and you haven't used it in six months, 
we need to get you involved. We need to get. Oh, you I to thought you were going to say Paul's going to go to your house and hit you with a baseball bat. <laughs> I'm coming over. <laughs> well, wait, which bat though? The new one or the old one? <laughs> well, you know what? If if Paul knew how many of his competitor products I've gotten over the years that are sitting uh, dormant on the shelf in my hot garage, mm-hmm. he might come over and uh, take pity on me. Well, we would love to see you guys at Detail Garage Gardena and, and set you guys up with some proper chemical guys products. I'm going to come over personally and make sure you're using them. Uh, that's fair. We you do that, go. and I will. Uh, I'll I'll barbecue up uh, some food, and we'll drink some beer. Sounds awesome. Oh, wow. I mean that's solid, right? It sounds like we've got a date. I like it. All right, all right we should do that. We're in. What are uh, give us socials again one more time okay. before we say thanks? Yep. So of course you can find out all of their information on chemicalguys.com. On Facebook, it's at chemicalguysmfgco. And on Twitter and Instagram, at Chemical Guys. And uh, I was just looking through. Oh, you forgot YouTube, though. No, I'm going there right now. Okay. I was just going to say, I was looking through uh, and Chemical Guys on YouTube. 600,000 subscribers on YouTube. Uh, any uh, any guess on uh, what they have on Instagram? <sighs> Instagram, I'm going to say he's got... 550,000. 757,000. Oh, my God. So you're not close enough. <laughs> oh, but, but Price is Right rules, you're still in the game. Oh, yeah, I am. I didn't go over. Okay. That's uh, Congratulations. That's uh, that's very cool. Thank you, know, you, guys. We really appreciate your, your time coming on and, and talking about car care products. I think it's uh, something a, a lot of people sort of have a little bit of knowledge about. Well, the good part is that it doesn't matter what you drive. This is something we all share. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's, whether it's a Volkswagen or it's a, you know, no, a, a Ram truck. Not a Volkswagen. There are people that aspire to own trucks Stop. that don't have them. The listen, just say a truck brand for a change. Okay, Nissan. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Nissan. No, but, no, hold, on hold on a second. Nissans are perfect. They don't need anything. Oh, that's on them. right. Yeah, <laughs> they come out of the factory perfect, and they and they die perfect. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Thank you, <laughs> Nissan, for being our presenting sponsor. All right, Paul. Thank you so much. Uh, we will be in touch because I, I definitely would love to come down to the Gardena location and and see some of the products in action. I think that would be really cool. And the only way that I we, can eat Holman's barbecue is if he makes it for you. <laughs> yeah, I won't cook for uh, Lightning. We would love to see you guys at a detail garage and uh, you know, Chemical Guys. We really believe finding your passion and making a shine. So hopefully, we look forward to seeing you guys at our place. Awesome. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Thank Thanks, you, Paul. Paul. Thank you so much, guys, for your time. Shine on. Take care. All righty. Bye bye. Holman, I think we need to get a new hard drive. Our uh, C drive is uh, full. I need to get a D or an E, and I need a, a minimum of an 8-terabyte drive. For what? For the freaking five-star hotline. You guys are killing us. How about you just play a few of them, and we'll clear them off the machine? Oh, good idea. Oh, come on and be part of the show. Call the five-star hotline. 657-205-6105. It's the five-star hotline. Five-star Lightning and Holman. This is Derek from Kentucky. I heard on the last episode you guys were talking about the fact that you're having high lifts on soon. So I figured I'd call in and give you one of my high lift stories. I used to wheel a 2011 Jeep Wrangler JK two door with a couple of buddies, one of which had a mid 2000s Ford Ranger four wheel drive with a limited slip, and the other one had a 2001 Jeep Cherokee XJ. And uh, we went wheeling over spring break one year in college at the buddy's girlfriend's dad's house or something like that. He had just bought a bunch of property down here in Bardstown, Kentucky, or outside of Bardstown, rather. And uh, we figured this guy had a bunch of trails on it, so we could check it out. And we went wheeling all day the first day. And 
decided that we were going to go on one last trail before we went to eat dinner. And I'm sure you can figure out how this one's going to go. Mm-hmm. So of course. We get about two-thirds of the way up the trail. It's a really steep hill. By the way, it's always it's always the last trail of the day. Uh, no, what it is is it's night runs. Don't ever go on a night run. Like, if the sun's setting, just pull over. No, and if I, any of your buddies in Moab or somewhere go, night run! No, man, I'm telling no. you, no, this is the last. You're out there in the in the field, even if it's the daytime, and you're like, just one more pitch. You're playing ball, right? He pitches you the ball, straight over the fence, crack the window. You know what I mean? Like, it's always the, whatever you say is the last one. My kid, every single time he's on a skateboard, he's like, dad, just one more. He One more, you know, he falls, you know my bust, saying bust about his that. ankle. Why do one when you can do, do one, one too, too many? many. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. And it had been raining for about a week or so, so it was good and muddy, and I barely got my Jeep on uh, 33 minutes. Leaf Goodrich came twos up to the top. I beat the tar out of the thing, but got all the way up to the top of the hill. My buddy in the XJ got his all the way up to the top of the hill. So we're sitting up there waiting for our buddy Justin and his Ford Ranger, and he didn't show up. So I walked back down about 200 yards down this hill, and he is, I kid you not, on his frame with the back half of the truck leaning over a very, very, very big and steep drop-off. So I quickly ran up to my Jeep, grabbed my high-lift jack, and grabbed a couple of chains out of the back of his pickup truck, very sketchily, and chained the truck to the tree with the high-lift jack and a couple of D-rings and proceeded to use the high-lift jack to pull him up over a couple of stumps and up off of the precarious positions he was sitting in. It took about an hour and a half. We ended up being up there for a lot longer than we thought, and we ate dinner at about 1130 that night. Love the podcast. I've listened since episode one, so y'all have a good one. Well, Five stars. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, I appreciate Five star review! Five stars! And thank you, Emmy. Yep, thank you. California boys, it's Garrett from Kentucky again calling you back. (laughs) I just realized that I forgot to tell you about my daily driver pickup truck. I am a truck guy, even though I am also a Jeep guy. He's just calling a show off now, isn't he? He's flexing. Which is a good thing. I daily drive a 1964 Dodge D200 swept line pickup. Whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on. Slow clap. No, no, slow down, slow down. The best is when we're out of sync. Yeah, if yeah, we're in no, sync, it's, it's weird. We have no, 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 no. The best is when we're out of sync and you mess up the uh, audio for left and right channels. Oh, no. So that's that's like this. Let's do this. You ready? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Polyhead engine in it and a push-button torque flight 727. And y'all said something about lightning spilling a whole bunch of gas in the cab. Well... I have a similar problem with my- Yeah, that's in the uh, the C20. <laughs> so for every gallon you put in, half a gallon ends up inside or on the ground outside. That's not true. It splashes into the foam back of the seat and soaks in. <laughs> <laughs> Can you what a no, fire hazard no this truck smoking is. in oh, your truck. Dear god. And and actually right now I'm putting a Mustang fuel tank under the bed of my truck because of it because I put a brand new fuel sending unit in my in-cab tank from Speedway Motors, and it decided that it was going to leak, not from the gasket, but actually through the hole for the sending unit, like right in the middle where the shaft comes out with the resistor, I guess. 
where the wire hooks up. Yeah, all the O-rings are bad. And any time that the tank is above half full, it uh, sloshes out and onto my seat, which is covered in a Mexican blanket. So, yeah, beat that, Lightning. (laughs) I can't. Oh, and uh, I actually prefer Finnegan's Yeah Buddy. I don't know why. Hmm. Still love Emmy, but Finnegan's Yeah Buddy's just got that manliness to it. Good thing she doesn't listen to the show. Anyway. Love the show, guys. Have a good one. Yeah, buddy. You know what? You don't want to be wrapped in a Mexican blanket uh, saturated with gasoline. That's what I'm just a point. Point. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I you or me. Lightning and Holman. Colby here again. Hey, so uh, it's been a minute since you guys talked about the guy that put gasoline in his diesel truck. Ooh, hold on a second, Holman. What do you think is the situation here? Uh, so gasoline in the diesel truck. Uh, it's what gonna, do you think I feel that there's a, gonna there's a say. twist. Okay, a twist. It, maybe diesel in the gas or I'm, ooh, ooh, I'm thinking diesel in the deaf or deaf in the diesel. Deaf deaf in the wrong spot would be interesting. Mm, good one. Uh, something happened yesterday. Uh, it's not as bad as that, but it's still pretty bad. So a family friend on my wife's side. Uh, filled up her wait, 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 wait. <laughs> are, are you hearing he's already disavowing, disavowing. Yeah, a, a genetic connection to this person? <laughs> I had nothing to <laughs> yeah. do with this. Well, we, no blood relation. Uh, uh, second cousin twice removed of my uh, wife's man, adopted man. side. Yeah. Out back with diesel. And the- hold on a second. Filled a Subaru Outback with diesel, he says. question that all of us had was, how did she accomplish such a task? Because the hole for the uh, the gasoline is a lot smaller than the hole for the diesel. Anyway, she got flustered at a local gas station because there were so many people there and just pressed the cheapest fuel option, grabbed the big green uh-huh. handle, and then because it wouldn't fit, she sat there and held it the entire time, shooting it <laughs> into she, her gas tank. She didn't realize the oily and, smelliness. And by the way, that only happens about six months out of the year because the rest of the time, uh, diesel is more expensive. No, uh, depending I mean, on honestly, where you are. Yeah, listen, listen, for a, a non-car truck person, you're not. You know the difference. I don't you, know. Yeah, d- don't that's know. not right. It's a, to them, it all smells bad. It yeah, just all smells yeah, bad. but there's a different kind of bad with diesel. I'm telling you, to to the untrained mm-hmm. nose, it may all right. just all smell. It's like dog poo's dog poo. Do you know what I mean? It's just it's all bad to them. I mean, not all of it. Listen, <laughs> I love. Sometimes you're like, is that the brand of the three legged one? <laughs> yes. Nope, that's the Chihuahua. Yeah, <laughs> something no, like that. No, but you know, right? like you and I, we would stand behind like an old Cummins five nine and go, oh, waffling. Well, I told you before, my thirteen year old daughter's like. Dad, what's that smell? I'm like hydrocarbons. You're like we're behind like an old Mustang or something, and she's like, "I like that." I'm like, "That's why you're my kid." <laughs> uh, she filled it about two thirds full of diesel, got back on the freeway, and made it about five miles before her car died. Uh-huh. So we uh, had to load it on a trailer, which is a completely different mess. Thank you, Subaru, and uh, pulled it home, pumped all the fuel out of the fuel tank. And then blew out all the lines, changed the fuel filter, and then you have to replace the spark plugs, which, once again, thank you, Subaru, for burying the uh, spark plugs, and uh, it fired right up. So, smoked a little bit at first. I think there was still a little bit of residual <laughs> diesel in the uh, injectors, but uh, nothing, a little lubrication uh, 
not going to hurt it. So, anyway, it's running good now. Have fun, guys. Awesome. Thank you for the call. That is the five-star hotline, 657-205-6105. Sean Jay. Yeah. What's up, guys? <laughs> Hold on a second. It's like a hip-hop name, Sean Jay. Sean Jay. Yeah. I like that. Jordan, Daytona Truck Bee. Ah. Hey, uh, I was just wondering. Oh, you know, uh, Joe Day, is I like to call him personally. <laughs> Joe Day. <laughs> if the embargo has finally been lifted and you can talk about the decked crossbox. Hey, now. I said it. Crossbox. So uh, has the embargo uh, been no, well, lifted? It was supposed to be, and what I, happened? Uh, they're trying to get it so uh, it ships out well. They're sending out uh, samples to uh, their friends uh-huh. and making sure that they arrive safely and that all the packaging is good. Right. And now. how did Jordan find out about it? Well, I think we uh, accidentally may have revealed it in a previous episode because I had a couple DMs on Instagram go, you know you guys gave it up. So, I, But we didn't say the word... Crossbox. Oh, yeah, I don't know what happened. Mm. I think we failed. Uh, how Again? About, yes. <laughs> how about this? Uh, we're in the process of having more news about this great product, and uh, your uh, your friend Lightning and myself mm-hmm. went and sh- I mean, should we tease this at all? Uh, let's just let's come out. And, let's be honest about it. We were given the opportunity to try to destroy one. Yes. And we failed. And we made a 10-minute video about that, us failing. About us failing <laughs> about the new product yeah. that will be out uh in the next couple weeks. Let's let's not say anymore. Well, I can I say I one more thing? It. Lightning finds himself in a cornfield alone. Don't don't even no stop. That's it? Stop. Stop there. Stop there. Okay. Um, let me play the rest of Jordan's message. Okay. Uh hope to hear from you guys soon. I uh intend to come out there and see you guys uh Hopefully soon. I don't want to grab a beer out there, but hopefully California gets their stuff together. So until then, I'll see you guys later. Bye. There so he, are, uh, he outed us. There are few people on this planet that I like more than Jordan. Just saying. I like Jordan a lot. Yeah. Yeah, he's a... Uh, you know what he is? He's got a big heart. He's like, uh, he's like your little brother mm-hmm. where you just have to give him a lot of crap. Just because you love them. So here I am all day, driving my Peterbilt around, listening to the Truck Show podcast. I'm way behind. And I get up to episode 61. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's behind. <laughs> I'm listening to it. And then everything gets all fuzzy. No! <laughs> 61. Uh, uh, what? April Fool's. April Fool's, uh-huh. buddy. Yeah. Sorted. I'm like, well, what the hell? So I'm thinking... Well, this stereo on this truck is pretty crappy. It must have something must have come loose, and I'm I'm pulling my my iPhone auxiliary <laughs> adapter out of out of my phone and blowing on it. And so here's hold the, on a second. Here's the deal. He's blowing on. It. He's going yeah, like a Nintendo <laughs> cartridge, eight bit cartridge from back in the day. Listen though, it's like there must Here, be dust on the contact. Here's what's funny, is we've since forgotten about that. Most of the stuff you and I do, we don't go backwards. It's water wow. under the bridge. Yeah. It just lives out in the ether. When we did that, it was clearly on April Fool's and completely hilarious. What we never took into account it's is there forever. in the future, <laughs> somebody is like on a random idle Wednesday listening to the Truck Show podcast, comes across episode 61 in the middle of October or November, and this happens. We never discussed what the ramifications of that could be. We never looked that far into the future. <laughs> we never thought of it. Huh. <laughs> it's huh. funny again. You know what? Hold on. Turn around. 
Don't turn. Face the door over there. Okay. No, seriously. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm turned. Patting you on the back. Thank you for patting me on the back. Job well done. Thank you for the back. <laughs> not the back side. Plugging it back in. Turn the stereo on and off and nothing's working. And so then I'm pissed and I go the rest of the seven hours of my day without <laughs> Truck Show Podcast. So, uh, well, do you think he thought his 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 radio was so broken that he couldn't seven, use it for anything? Seven hours. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, come on, that's a little bit funny. I wonder if he was just sitting there in silence. <laughs> no, he heard the thrum of the peat yeah. going down the highway. Then I get back here in uh, Scappoose, Oregon, get parked, and climb in my pickup, and I plug it in, see if it'll <laughs> if it'll work. Nope, it's still fuzzy. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding me? It's got to be this, this adapter. So I get on Amazon and I order a new adapter. <laughs> then I decide, all right, well, my 7.3 isn't quite as loud as the Peterbilt, so maybe I can just listen to the podcast from my phone speakers. <laughs> so I press play, and it's still fuzzy. Like you got to be kidding me! So I go to the start. At, Episode 62, and it sounds just fine. And then I hear about the April Fool's stuff. <laughs> oh, you guys cost me nine bucks. <laughs> Either way, still love the show. Uh, I've been binge listening for the past few days. I'm, I'm going to get myself caught up. So, five stars. Five star review. Five stars. <laughs> I mean, come on. That was awesome. I wish he would have left his name. We have no idea who he is. He's just a, a random truck driver. Just, uh, I mean, we do have his number. Should we call him? <laughs> do you think uh, he he's would answer? A, he's in Oregon. I mean, we could. Let's call, let's call him up. All right. Hold and uh, let's offer him his nine bucks back. No, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Come on. That's the, All right, that's, then that's you the right to, move. Then you have to Venmo him. Okay. I bought pizza last time, so you okay. Venmo him the nine. Oh, that's fine, dude. I offered you Shake Shack on the way here, and you said no. That was that's that was be- a, that that's was because a dumb I knew move. he owed this guy nine bucks. All right, Holman, let's dial this dude, and I would call him by his name, but uh, he didn't tell us. He didn't tell us. Was. Yeah. All right, let's try this. Talking to your mic. You've reached Brad Fair. Leave me a message. I'll give you a call back as soon as I can. Did he say his name was Brad? I think it was, should we call him Brad? I think it sounded like Brad. Uh, Yeah, Brad. Hey, Brad. Lightning Holman Truck Show Podcast. Hey, so we feel like we owe you nine bucks because you went on Amazon and you bought that adapter for your uh, your phone. Sorry for messing with you on episode 61 (laughs) there, but uh, hey, thanks for the story. I think it was awesome. Kept us laughing. And uh, call us back when you hit episode 144. Bye. Holman, I think that's the first time we've actually ever dialed outbound using the five-star hotline. Would it be weird if if he recognizes the number and it pops up? Yeah, what if he grabs his phone and he goes, what number is 657 And he's like, I just can't place it. <laughs> and there it is, us. All right, time to move on to the next segment where you have something. Uh, we should rename this like Lightning's Daily Travels. Or, uh, no, no, you know what this is? You know what we need, man. <laughs> Shop talk. No. Shop no, talk. it's not no. this? Oh, okay. No. All, right. All right. No. Well, what? Is it this one? What's in the shop? What's in the shop? Nope. No, not no, that I one I think either. what this is is places, places lightning, lightning finds, finds himself. himself.
So let me tell you how this went down. We needed to build a prototype uh, part that we had to have uh, tested for emissions. So we typically will make a one-off part and we'll put it on the vehicle and we'll send it over to the SEMA garage to our friend Peter Tridy over there. Yep. And they will have it for a month or so and put it through the ringer and tell us if it uh, passed emissions and whether we can sell it in all 50 states. We usually know in advance it'll pass, but they do all the official testing and they submit the paperwork to the California Resource Board. This brings me to this particular part that we had to make. It's a monster ram. And right. I'm not going to go plug fest on us, whatever. But it's a cast aluminum part, okay? Well, as you not know- in this case. So that's where I'm going to stop. Okay. A cast aluminum part, as you know, you have to make a mold. I do. And you have to now this particular piece. You you're familiar with this piece I'm talking about. It's curved. Yep. It's you. It would be very very difficult to machine it, yes. even with a crazy five axis, because okay. it's got all these bizarre curves and it needs to be honed out on the inside. Blah blah blah. So we said, what if we 3D printed this? We're just kind of like throwing ideas around. And one of the guys in our mechanical engineering department says. I know this shop in Carson, California. You guys should call them up and see. So I figured, what do we have to lose? Called them up, and they said, you know what? We're not really taking any work right now, but this sounds interesting, so we'll have a look. We sent them over the CAD file. So they initially told you they were too busy. They were about to tell me kick rocks. I'm not even joking. Wow. So, But he, he was familiar with – he was there, and I'll explain why in a minute. So we sent him the CAD file. And he comes back and says, yeah, we can do it. We can have it done in uh, less than a week. We're like, wow. Okay. okay, great. So somehow I get elected to go pick up this part. Okay. The the spot is only 15 minutes from my house, so I Perfect. find myself over there, and I uh, walk around the back door. They said, because, you know, he said, come, it's going to be late at night, so just come around the back. So I did. By the way, I would never say that if I worked in an industrial park late at night and just tell people, cruise by the back door. But here's the weird thing. I cruise around the back, and it's Porsche, Porsche. Porsche, Porsche. All right. Well, and I go- Good taste in cars. Okay. Well, I'm not I'm not freaked out. Like, this is kind of cool. There must be some gearheads. Right, I don't know. Uh, if it, Porsche uh, drivers aren't murderers. So, so I don't- good. Well, I'm not saying that. So I don't know if it's the right business or what, but I, anyway, the guy you know, greets me and I introduce myself and then we walk in and he hands me our part. And I'm looking at it. I'm holding it in my hands and it weighs, I don't know, six pounds or so. Okay. And I was going, no, no, this has to be cast. This can't- This is not printed. I wait, 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 wait. Ba back up. Slowly roll. You skipped a part. We went from 3D printing plastic to you not wanting to use a casting to somebody handing you a six-pound part. Are you telling me that somebody printed something in metal? They printed it out of aluminum. 3D printing out of aluminum. That's correct. I must know more. So I'm holding this thing going, this is crazy. Can you – and I had heard about guys printing gun parts, right, small things. This is big. This thing is a foot long, yeah. and it's got all these intricacies to it. It's got bosses so we can be drilled out for sensors and all these solid? things. Is it solid? Does it feel flimsy? Is oh, it, no. This is – I'm telling is you – Is it the part? Holman, I'm telling you, it is the part. This hmm. is almost the one that we will be selling that will eventually be a cast where you're pouring molten aluminum into a casting. All right. Color me intrigued. You, you did an interview while you were there. So so, but let I me, need to know more. I'm gonna tell you, but so, not from you. No, no, no. Let me just okay, explain okay, the okay. setup. I gotta explain how it works because the audio is really funky, and I have to explain why. I did not go there to interview the dude. I walked in, and he's giving me this tour of this facility, of this clean room where they're where they they've got these laser 3D printers. Okay. And I'm just talking to him, and about five minutes into it, I go, "I'm an idiot. I need to get this on tape. Like I have to record this. Okay. Because I may never be back here." 
and the guys. Oh, I find I find that hard to believe with all the parts you may need to make. They're not cheap, so I, I can't don't imagine know they are. That... But in a piece like that, where you can't really do it in plastic, and you can't really pay for one-off casting until you know that it's correct. So I'm looking around this place, and they have titanium exhausts, headers, intake manifolds, collectors, whoa, 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 whoa. intercooler no, intakes. So, slow your roll. Your part was in aluminum. Yes. You're saying they can 3D print in other metals. Yes. So the gentleman I'm talking to is Jonathan, co-owner of Mimo Technic Printed Metal, LLC. Okay. So explain these machines. They're SLM solutions from Germany, right? Yes, they're SLM solutions, and this is a quad laser SLM 500 that we built the bank's power ram on. It has four lasers uh, on the build bed. It's 500 millimeters. So it's a 500 millimeter class machine. 500 millimeter meaning? The length, the, to- the, longest, the longest axis of build is 500 millimeters. It's four lasers simultaneous. So you can have four times the build rate. And the, what drives the cost of the parts is the, how much time it spends on the machine. For the Monster Ram, for example, how we, I posted a photo, the ones you gave me earlier, and the immediate question is, how long did it take? 38 hours. 38 hours. Yes. And the cost of doing this versus making a sand cast or something of that nature, like what's the cost equation for most of your customers? Is the it- cost is driven by time and machine. Right. Time and machine is driven by total mass. So it's, it's always beneficial to make 3D printed parts as lightweight as possible. It's not the material cost that drives the part price, it's the total mass. So if you can use thin walls, lightweight structures, skeletonized features, that's how you drive costs down. But on the flip side, if you're trying to show what a, a production cast part is going to look like for the market before you even tool up, then printing your cast model gives you first hands-on unit, you know, first piece article that represents what your final product's gonna look like before you even tool it up. So you can make changes, you can work on machining fixtures, you can see customer reaction before you even cast the first part or cut your first tool. So So you can jump the mold. A machine like this is ballpark of a million or? The SLM 500 class machine is $2 million. I believe I had asked you earlier if it was like a million dollars. Two million dollars. That is, uh, I'm scrolling through their feed at Printed Metal uh, on uh, on Instagram, and what amazes me is, you know, when you do like a 3D um, printed piece, is you can see the layers. Yep. And they the layers they just they look a little bit rough. It, it doesn't you know it looks like it was. Uh, Kind of raw. I think we've all by now seen a 3D printed piece of plastic. These literally look exactly like what a production piece would look like. In this room where I'm doing this interview, and the reason you're hearing all the fans, and it's a clean room. It would have to be. And there are all these cylinders, and then um, and then these giant contain not giant. They're maybe four foot off the ground, and they and they're and they're plexi, so you can see the material inside. But that's where they keep the aluminum dust or the inconel or whatever they're using to make the part, okay, or the titanium. I said, what's with these these containers? Why are they so sealed? And there are those systems, the uh, 
you know the movies where the guy puts his hands in the gloves and the gloves go oh like a like a like a um, a sandblasting box okay. where you put yeah. your hands in the glove sure so that's how they operate everything and I said why is that necessary and he goes the metal dust is so fine that makes these parts that if you breathe it in oh shoot it clogs the pores in your lungs oh. and you die okay it's not up for grabs he said it's absolutely deadly. Because it's so fine. Now, how this system works, and I know you for you guys at home, if you go to at Printed Metal on Instagram, you'll see how this works. And we'll post a few photos uh, of the process on at Truck Show Podcast on Instagram. It works like a typical laser printer you'd expect. The bed, though, moves down. Let's see if I can describe it a little better. So it lays a human hair thickness of no, metal sheet. Much thinner than a human hair. Okay. And what happens is the lasers melt that in layers on top of each other to build the part. Correct. They and melt the deck, it to the previous layer. Right. And the deck moves down by that much each time. So the part is growing from the bottom, basically. That's exactly right. And so rather than printing in the sense that you're thinking that molten metal is being laid by something, instead it's taking sheets and melting it out of the sheets into the shape it needs to. And it's incredibly precise. There's some videos posted, and I, my, my mind is still blown. Like, I need to go down there because uh, I just... Insane. And there's more. Plus facility and infrastructure to set it up. And the power has got to be incredible that it takes, that it draws, right? It doesn't draw as, it draws about as much as a, as a large CNC. Okay. There's also about six tons of AC cooling capacity that you need for the lasers and uh, the electromechanical systems. Okay. So and we have water chillers on site that handle all the, the, the thermal needs of the machine. So the lasers, imagine a laser that you would buy in Fry's Electronics or something, you know what I mean? No, they're, they're, so the lasers are made by IPG. Are they the same lasers that you uh, shot me with from behind on the freeway and tagged me in my eye and made me f- very angry at you? <laughs> no. I still think my vision was messed up for a while after that. <clears throat> I didn't hit you in the rearview mirror. You actually, A, hit the uh, the reflective road sign above me, mm-hmm. which is what made me look in my rearview mirror when I was hit in the rearview mirror. <laughs> They're telecommunications grade. They're meant for 100% duty cycle use. They're, re- they're, they're expensive components. They're one of the higher par- piece price in the machine assembly. But the lasers... Um, they're rated to be gone all the time and keep constant power, predictable power. And they, so would, can have and they would obviously mode. hurt you if you went, you know, the special glass, I assume? Yes, right? yes. It's a class four laser. It's the most dangerous laser type you okay. can have. Okay. Yeah. So in laser safety, laser interlocks, safety glass, laser, laser safety procedures are all have to be incorporated into the into process. The machine. Okay. When it's, it's, it's building the part from the, from the, the bottom up, but it's really, it's moving down. It's moving down. You start at layer zero. Right. And layer zero is closest to the build plate, and you add layer by layer the part. So the last layer is the, the very top of the part. And what is the laser doing? It's not emulsion. It's, it's a full melt. It's melting. It's a melt pool. It's SLM. It's not a sintering. It's a full laser melt. So what does SLM stand for? Selective laser melting. Oh, selective. Okay, there you go. And you said the wattage of these lasers would be what compared to like, I know like you buy one at like... You know, a kid would have one. The four, they're four to seven hundred watts. Four hundred to seven hundred watts. Oh my god! Yeah, each. Oh my god! Let me put that in perspective. Yep. A laser pointer that a teacher would have, that a professor right. Mm-hmm. right would have, would be five milliwatts. Right. 
So five thousandths uh, of a watt. I do believe the class four laser is actually regulated by the government. It is. I do not believe you can just have a class four laser because that's like military grade. <laughs> you certainly cannot have a class four laser. I sh- so I shouldn't tell you that I have one? You don't have one. I do have Nobody one. Nobody would trust you with one of those. I do have one. No, you don't. I do. No. I mean, I'm, I mean, maybe I do. No, you don't have one. There'd be something wrong with our entire government if somebody <laughs> let you have a class four laser. They're not allowed to sell them in the United States. Yeah, I know you can get them out of the United States, but I guarantee you it ain't class four. I'm curious what class it is. I'll find out. I'll report back. Let's keep playing. So it's a lot of energy on the powder bed. Oh my god! Like the one you buy at an electronics store or five on milliwatts. Is five milliwatts. Five milliwatts. Oh my god! That's awesome. I mean, listen to yourself. You have just had an epiphany about all the evil doings you can do, and literally, you exhaled in glee as you said. That's awesome. <laughs> listen, go go back and listen to the way you said that. That's awesome. Oh my god, that's awesome. <laughs> that, that needs to be a drop. That's awesome. You can't really understand what I'm saying. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's super. Uh... Keep playing the bit. Okay, so what's the backstory here? You have how many? You have, so one, two, three. We have five SLMs. Five SLMs. What's the backstory? You said you were- hold on. Did you five at two million dollars a piece? Yeah, dude's in his twenties, by the way. I mean, are we sure? I'm pretty certain. What's the backstory? You said you were you were you were trying to went to school. Can I point out we don't even have five microphones in the <laughs> studio? Went to school, graduated. You come here, like what's where? Initially, we started with one SLM. Who's the we? Me and my business partner. Okay, Greg. Uh, well, it's uh, Tile. So it's Aviva Instruments and Tile Sport. It's a what? Aviva Instruments, my company, yeah. and Tile Sport, the wastegate. Gotcha. Oh, oh, oh my God, that tile. Yes. So if you're into the import, the JDM scene, yeah, you've heard of Tile. Okay. Now Tile makes they're famous for wastegates. You might have heard hmm. of uh, TurboSmart. Been a long, yeah. They're I'm... they're a competitor to TurboSmart, okay. for example. Been a yeah. long time since I've been in that scene. So did you know him prior to? We met in, uh, through the university. And our goal was create aftermarket parts for exotic cars and support the motorsport and racing industry with high-end turbocharger, turbocharger control components. And investment casting wasn't suited enough for the cost, per unit cost, to quickly meet the demand of motorsport customers and in the high-end motorsports and the high-end aftermarket turbocharger products. So instead of 3D printing patterns, investment casting, and machining, we said, let's try to create a process where we can 3D print direct to metal. And we started that six years ago. Wait, are you saying this is a process he created? No, no, he didn't create it. But what happened is is that, so they bought, they, he, I don't think we get in here, but the backstory is that he, right out of school, was working in a casting company. Okay. So he had experience Got manufacturing it. these parts, and the guy would say, so I want to So he was in rapid p- prototyping in casting he did have some experience in that yes okay. and then he was running in issues where a, a, 
they own Porsches. They were their Porsches yeah. outside, okay. and they would want to do a prototype turbo. Well, to do a prototype turbo, you have to cast it, right. and if you screw up the casting, it's expensive yeah. and the whole thing. So he sure. said, "Let's go. Let's get into this." So huh. he thought the racing industry's got a need for this. F1 teams, all this stuff, and they have the money to pay for a one-off turbo for testing, sure. right? So then. He takes me, of course, ultimately after this interview is over, upstairs, and he shows me all of these interesting one-off parts. These titanium Inconel parts, like super high-end turbos, compressor housings, and I mean, it just goes on and on. I'd say I mean, slowly, right? Oh, really? Yeah, we've grown step by step. Well, I mean, but, but the machines, you start with one machine. Sorry, always start with one machine. Right. Live here, learn the, learn the process, develop the process. We end up being pretty specialized in what we can do with the machines and developing our own we modify the machines to suit our purposes. We work with the manufacturer to create custom solutions to improve surface finish, improve part quality, improve productivity. Ultimately, time in machine is what drives the cost of the parts. So if we can up the productivity, we can lower the per piece price and we can make this more accessible to the aftermarket, to motorsports. So for example, we're about 5.7 to 10 times faster than our competitors per part. That's this not is, an insignificant difference. No, this is why he had one machine and now he has multiple because they're making them so much faster. He's hot rotted his machines. So we can print a part that usually takes 500 hours in a competitor machine. We can print them in 42 to 43 hours versus wow. 500 hours. I wish we could uh, hot rod the show and make it a lot faster. <laughs> wow. Which is a huge cost savings that's that efficiency goes back to the customer. Have you ever printed a part that ended up on a race car like a, a few days later? Yes. M meaning like it was a mission critical part for a, for a race car. We've printed parts for um, a customer that runs, that races Audi, TTRSs and RS3s. And they had it on the car. You know, we, we would ship it. It landed in their doors, you know, afternoon. They had it on that car that night for racing. So in so, that case, you did everything. You printed it and you machined it. Everything. No, we printed it. They machined it. Oh, they and did. it had it on the car that same okay. evening. Oh, my God. For, for banks, that was what I noticed immediately. I've only been there for three years. I used to work at a radio station here in town. Okay. And immediately, like, the time to market and, and the expense was ridiculous for the cast parts. There, There's a lot of failure to launch because they would make one uh, cast part. Then they would realize it was an issue with it. And it was too expensive to make another one, so it just got shelved. And there's all the tooling and all the all, all the related expense. And you can't. And they said, "Well, we could redo it for another five grand or whatever it is, or like, or, or, or fifteen grand, where you can in a in a tool you can add metal, but you can, wait, you can take metal away, but you can't add it. Like all these different things. Yeah. Right? This is just me being curious because I love entrepreneurs. So you were in motorsports before while you're in school. Yeah. Right. Right. You call, I mean, were you an F1 fan or something like that? Or F what? Yeah, uh, Formula SAE. Okay. So oh. you're, you're working in the garage late night with all your, your, yeah. your college buddies. Wow, we have like three or four guys that are Formula SAE. And, yeah. and the frustration is you come up with all these great ideas, but you can't make them. Yeah. Because now you have to talk to manufacturing engineers and you have to figure out, like, how do you bring your vision to life? And that was my biggest frustration. So I started specializing in 3D printing for investment casting. And we did quite a few projects that way. And then that has its own difficulties, working with boundaries, handling patterns, making, just living with the, the constraints of how do you pour metal into a thin mold after you burn out the pattern. There's so much 
difficulty in realizing your, your final goals, we decided let's try to go straight to metal. And then 3D metal printing was just coming online around 2013. Like a few research papers coming out about, hey, it's possible. Um, laser power just started to come up in like solid laser diodes, continuous mode lasers just start to enter where they're in the 200 watt range. And that's like the lowest limit that you can start to print metal powder with. Now, you know, we're at 1,000 watts and 700 watts per laser. That and Galvo technology, like the what points the laser and moves it around, started to become reachable to where you can put it in an industrial process and make make printers out of it. So these are some of the first machines. No, these are about they're second gen. Second I mean, gen. we're second generation. Okay. Um, like the first generation machines were much slower, much worse quality. So this is the latest, these are the latest machines. Uh, so you just go out and you get a business loan or you teamed, I guess. No, we're business loan. It's all, it's 50-50. So it's all write a business plan. Okay. Sign your condo away. How much did you have to learn? Everything. There's no, there's no school for this. Yeah. All of it's our development. I lived here for I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure you still do. There's yeah. probably a cot upstairs. So like all these, I mean, the machines are completely customized. Or we build them, like we, we tear them apart. I mean, it's all food grade stainless. Yeah, like we make all the bottles, all the stainless steel. Like we 3D print all the all the fittings. Oh my God, you've printed. Wait, hold on. You're printing the machines that are printing. Yes. Yeah. I, I, like so, you can see these are these fittings are 3D printed. Is that like when a uh, cop pulls you over and you both have mirrored sunglasses? And then you just stare uh, longingly into each other, trying to figure out which one of you is in the Matrix. I mean, at what point do these machines just start replicating themselves uh, on their own time? Uh, this Sunday. Take over the world yeah, with their soon. massive lasers. That's just a couple days away. Wow. And the powders. So, for example, the powder that you used on the Monster Ram. Yes, that's aluminum ALSI-10. Okay. So ALSI-10 is a, it's an alloy. It's made up. It's similar the to... 4000 series or something? No, it's like a 356. It's 10% silicon. Okay. But we can print, we're just cutting into this new process to print uh, 2000 series and 7000 series aluminums, okay. which aren't generally printable. So, fascinating. I gotta be honest, I, I was there and I was, just, I was just awestruck. Because here's this young guy that's in college and got a vision, and he was already kind of in the industry a little bit, you know, making these investment castings. He's doing 3D printing and stuff, and he goes, Where did he get his seed money? That's what blows my mind. I don't know. I could guess. If I was going to, if I were a... No, don't a, guess, because you'll be offensive. Okay. You'll be accidentally offensive. No, but here's what I would do. Uh, no, this is not accidentally no, 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 offensive. No, 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 It doesn't matter what you would have done, because you would have done it if there's you were going to do there's it. There's only two routes. No, don't do it. Why? Because you're going to say somebody seated it for him, and he no, didn't work hard. I wasn't going to say that at okay. all. Okay, all right. Here's what I would do. I'm, I'm being legit. I would either write up a, a phenomenal business plan, and I would submit it to a bank, or I would go to the laser manufacturer... And I would submit my business plan to them, and I would make them carry the paper on the laser. And why haven't you done that in your real life? I'm not, aren't those the two legit ways you'd go? I Sure. <laughs> I'm just saying that if you are professing to be an expert, you are doing this crappy podcast with me in this what dang hot studio. Po- you could be experts. making laser parts. Expert in what? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's my point. If you were an expert in being an entrepreneur and creating your own small business to, that, has, that in within 10 years can have $10 million of machines surrounding you, why haven't you done that? Because I'm not an expert. Start reading books, dude. <laughs> Just read books. I think you have, you have to play the entrepreneur jingle for this guy. We didn't even play it before. Let's end with that. Okay. What does it take to be an entrepreneur? What 
does it take to be an entrepreneur? Quit your job and get a loan And don't let anyone tell you you can Go into debt and don't look back Don't worry, there will always be another crappy job This is what it takes to be an entrepreneur Thank you. That was just for me. Just for you. So to sum up this, Holman, yeah. we have an open invitation to return. And I, I explained that this was obviously for a podcast, the reason I was recording it. Okay. And he said, please come back. So I'll have beers. All right. Do we get to ask legitimate questions this time and learn real things? I <laughs> have interviewed a lot of people. I will tell you. Off but the, I was starstruck. Off the cuff? That, I, that I was, was, no, no, no. I'm just giving you crap. Off, off the cuff interview. That was pretty good. I, I mean, I'm blown away. You showed me the videos. I hope you'll post one of those on Truck Show Podcast so people can see because it's mind-bending how that process works. Mind-bending. I don't think the average person, the average person, knows how many cast parts are on their vehicle. You know, the uh, the lower control arms, pieces of their frame. Intake manifold. All those things, right? I mean, Edelbrock has got a massive business yeah. making cast aluminum parts. Sure. Every uh, every supercharger, every turbo, it's all cast. Yeah. There might be a time when it's laser printed. It's 3D printed. It's coming. Yeah. That's that's wild. It is super Especially weird. Especially if he can figure out how to do it 500 times faster than this and take the next step or whatever, you know? Mind-bending. Because it sounded like it's machine time and mass. So the, the faster you can get it, and then everybody's concerned about mass these days in manufacturing, so... Uh, printing your prototype part with uh, a skeletonized structure like he's talking about, things like that, if it, you can make it work in the real world, then you're already uh, ahead of the game, right? Because you have less machine time, less mass, and you have a lighter part for everybody's lightweighting everything in the automotive world. So. And I think that the, the perception is that if you're making something that's going to be 3D printed, it's going to be brittle, it's going to crack, it, it, won't ha- uh, it won't have the heat resistance or, or uh, heat absorption, uh, heat rejection. That's not the case with these parts. Yeah. They are as good. No, they look real as the as a cast part. They look like a cast part with maybe even a better finish on the outside, because you know, like uh, sand casting, how it leaves that rough cast. It's porous. It's not like that with these. They're 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 gorgeous. They almost look machined. All right. Well, sorry for that aside, guys. If it, uh, hopefully that wasn't painful to listen to. I know the audio quality was uh, kind of suspect, but let's hear some news from Mr. Holman. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? Ah! Well, that was uh, solid. Yeah, good work. Considering we haven't done that in a while. What you got? Oh, I mean, I got all sorts of stuff. Where do you want me to start? I would like you to start with some truck news. Uh, okay. How about, uh, gosh, I just have a... so much You're, yeah, I, I'll, to choose let, from let's, here. Let's start this again. I'm going to say, Holman, can you give me some truck news? Yeah. And I want you to come back with some enthusiasm. You ready? Holman, do you have some truck news to share? Eh. I mean, I got a little bit. God damn it. Come on. <laughs> all right. Uh, for all of you Gladiator owners out there, Mopar finally has released the cool little knob trailer brake controller, and it also works with uh, Wrangler. And uh, people have been waiting for this. It takes up the 12-volt plug spot on the dash, but... It's pretty cool. Wait, what is this see how again? Tiny what, are we, it is? what are we even talking about? It's a trailer brake controller for the Gladiator, which doesn't have a lot of real estate for a trailer brake controller. Oh. So they developed a round knob one. 
And where? what was in this space the tw- left of 12 the... 12-volt plug. That was the 12-volt plug. Yeah. Got it. Why was the 12-volt plug hogging up all that dead space on the lower left dash? Because they were going to put a trailer brick controller Oh, so there. they knew they were going to do it in yes, advance. Yes, it was shown quite a while ago, and people have been waiting for it. The other cool thing is uh, Wrangler Half Doors. Uh, apparently, you can order those now. Everybody's been waiting for JL Wrangler Half Doors, and they have you know, JL's been out since 18, mm-hmm. and no Half Doors. Now you can do it for uh, 21. Was that a, just an issue with not being able to make them fast enough? Uh, I don't think they were really pushed hard enough until Bronco came out with their their doors, ah. and then they said, "All right, we got to get off our butts." Uh, so if you wanted to uh, do a Wrangler half door, I know that's pretty pretty uh, pretty pretty big deal. Um, apparently, the 2022 Chevy Silverado uh, we've seen in spy photos. The prototype uh, shows that it's got some semi-autonomous tech in there, and also. Believe it or not. Se- well, hold on a second. Semi-autonomous tech. Yeah, like Super Cruise from the Cadillac. Okay. You know? And it also shows a giant new screen in the center stack. So, How does that compare to the Ram 12 inch? We don't know. It's just uh, a spy photo, so we can't tell. We just can... We're just uh, able to tell you that they have changed the center stack. We well, knew this was coming. They were caught off guard by how good the RAM interior was. Let me see your screen here because I'm, I'm just curious if, it, if we can see how big the screen is. Nope, you can't. All right, there's a uh, new 110 towing champ in town. I don't know if you uh, saw the news this week. Mm, no, I actually did not see that one. Was it, uh, hold on, did Ford take it back? No, Man. GM, GM. Yep. Chevy had announced that the 2020 Silverado 3500 HD was the maximum uh, tow capability champ with a rating of 35,500 pounds, if you remember, when Mm -hmm. the new truck came out. They basically said, hang on a second, because uh, Ram came out and uh, they were at 35,100 pounds, the uh, Ram (laughs) 3500, and uh, that previously had bested Ford's 35,000 pounds. So Chevy held the title this year for a little while, but then when Ford pulled back the curtain on the 2020 F350 Super Duty, it got rated at 35,750 pounds. So, for 21... Dude, Chevy, it's a lot of weight. Hold on. That's a lot hold of weight. Hold on. For 2021, Chevy's ready to retake the title, putting it within 1,000 pounds of the 37,000 pounds of Ford's F450. So, the new 3,500 Chevy, mm-hmm. 36,000 pounds. <laughs> 36,000 wow, pounds. that's crazy. Now, our friend Renee, who we're going to speak with on an upcoming episode, he owns NCT Trucking. Mm-hmm. Now, he regularly... So, he has an eight... Uh, it's an eight... Oh, 19. It's a 19. Damn, is it a Denali or Silverado? I don't know. It's one of the two. They're the same. 3,500. And he regularly pulls... His gross vehicle weight is 46.5. Which is more than half a semi and super illegal. So I'm I'm super excited to talk to him and figure out how he's making that happen. And he does it all the time. All right, you may be asking what exactly Chevy did to gain a 500-pound bump in capability between the 20 and 21. Uh, the lead development engineer for GM said that while the 2020 was immensely capable and fully optimized for extreme towing, they left a little bit on the table just in case the, the uh, competition was going to step up their game. So uh, one of the big areas of improvements came from swapping the truck's steel wheels for aluminum ones, well, the front and rear outside wheels anyway, uh, provided a weight savings that was put directly back into towing capacity. The team also worked extensively with the front suspension, increasing the spring rate of the torsion bars and retuning the front shocks. And the front suspension allowed the team to increase the uh, front gross axle weight rating, which in turn allowed for an increase in gross vehicle weight rating 
And also, I believe that they did like some. Uh, the inner fender liners aren't steel anymore; they're aluminum. So a little bit of light weighting, a little bit of uh, of dark magic to make it happen. But this is thirty six thousand pounds on the SAE J twenty eight oh seven towing standard. This isn't just GM saying we did it. That's Freaking, an incredible it, number. It's crazy. Okay, so crazy. so to prove it, we took. And by the way, you have to order it a certain way, right? Of course, it's not going to be your. So let me ask cab. you: This is a short box, single cab. So you need to order a two-wheel drive, regular cab, dually, 3,500 equipped with the Duramax and the Allison 10-speed. That's what it would take to get that. Now, we took a, a commercial driver, hired him, and towed uh, over 30,000 pounds behind this new truck up the Grapevine, which is obviously a huge uh, hill here in Southern California. And he is a hot shotter also. Hmm. And he told us it is the most responsive, impressive truck that he's ever driven. He typically drives a Ram with a Cummins in it. I hear that pretty consistently. There are, I think, uh, because of the price, the price wars, a lot more hotshots drive Rams, but the guys who seem to really be in the know are are, are moving over to GM. Although you don't see them on the highway. Every hotshotter is a, I mean, I, I think, you know, crossing the country, it's like 5% GM, probably 25 or 30% Ford, and the rest are all Rams with so, Cummins So a couple things, and I, I just have theories. A, it's, again, it's more expensive. The, the GM product, and yep. also the Ram has just that middle middle America feel. It's it's a tractor well, engine. It's, it's the Cummins. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's it's. I think if the new Cummins had a more than a six-speed transmission, if they hooked it up to a ZF8 speed- They're going to have to eventually. It would do wonders for that powertrain. Not that, I mean, but this is literally uh, us looking at like um, uh, Heidi Klum and Cindy Crawford and saying Cindy's ugly because she has a mole. Like, right, yeah, like right. that's the level we're, we're at right we're now. We're looking way we're, too deep. Exactly. Like any of those trucks are going to be great. They all have their place. But when you're approaching 40,000 pounds of, uh, of tow capacity, when an, a semi going down the road is about 80,000, and you're doing it with a 3,500 truck, that's an insane number. Yeah. Where, where, we've talked about this before. Where are you with your CDL at that point? You know? Oh, man. It gets really gray, doesn't it? I mean, as a consumer, we're going to have to ask our guy, uh, Renee, who's going to come on. So, Mopar also announced uh, add ons for the 2021 Ram TRX. So, uh, the TRX is going to have some accessory uh, options available as soon as it comes to market. I just got back from driving it, and I can't talk about it yet because, well, you know, it's uh, under that thing. Embargo. Can you be, before you move on? Yeah. Can you tell me what any of these accessories are? They I just can talk a- about the accessories. I just can't talk about driving it yet. No, I understand that. Okay. I wasn't going to pry because I know you can't. Nope. But can you tell me, are these, I don't even know, are they like bed rack? I, mean, I was going to go through them. Oh. Yeah. So the, the Ram bar, which looks like a 70s style light bar uh, at the front of the bed, $1,195. Uh, it looks cool. But I'm, I mean, if you like that old school look. Uh, you can get a bed-mounted spare tire carrier, so you can put a full-size spare. There's one underneath the, the bed, and you can also put one in the bed if you wanted to have two. Um, they've got uh, off-road lights that will be available. They've got uh, off-road rock rails, 1195 bucks, but they act as a step, and they're real rock rails that can uh, hold half of the gross vehicle weight rating of the Ram TRX on okay. a rock. Okay. They're, they're pretty beefy. Uh, you got beadlock-capable wheels, so uh, $1,895 plus wheel rings, which I guess are uh, $205. 18-inch wheels, they're pricey, but uh, they're a beaut- They're one of the best-looking uh, beadlock-capable wheel- wheels out there. They're just a gorgeous, super deep-dish design. Now, when you show. say beadlock-capable, oh, so they come with the rings, and you can either choose to use them or not. Well, you can choose to use them as beadlocks or as protective rings. I see. 
you know, sacrificial rings. Uh, you can get the uh, the bed step on the back for three hundred ninety five bucks. So anyway, there's a bunch of stuff on uh, on Truck Trend if you want to peruse some of the offerings. So if you're going to get your uh, TRX here, should be December time when the first ones get delivered. You'll be able to modify it. Now those which. are that's the first run of the the limited one thousand pieces or whatever. What, well, they're, they're they're going to all start trickling in. Oh, yeah. they will. Yeah, those okay. things got sold out in like a couple days. I just didn't like know that. if they would ship first. Oh yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I would imagine there would be some of the first, but I don't know if they made an exclusive run of those and then they started. But uh, I'm told. Uh, December and hopefully uh, won't be the next podcast. It should be uh, episode one forty six. My uh, my review, uh, driving it, and also uh, interview of the chief engineer we'll wow. have on the truck show podcast. Really? Yeah. Okay. Can you tell me? It's not a dry. It's not an impression. Can you just? Can you tell me anything about the sound? Or is that an impression? Uh, it's unbelievable. Intoxicating, sickeningly awesome, glorious. A auditory orchestra. Of performance, uh, mechanical symphony. Okay, all right. Yeah, it's uh, it's mighty wonderful. Is it a loss for words? It must be magic. I, it's it's it, it tingles me in places that uh, I don't normally get tingled. Keep moving. Okay, uh, the twenty twenty one Silverado HD uh, is going to have four special editions this year. So you can get the uh, black. Ooh, well, tell me about a Carhartt edition. Yeah, you get the Carhartt oh, edition. Oh, seriously, it's back? Yeah, it's back. I wonder if it was popular. Well, it must have been popular. Uh, I would imagine it's based on the, the 2500 LTZ crew cab with a Z71 off-road package. Mosaic black metallic exterior is the only color. Mm-hmm. Highlighted by a Carhartt gold pinstriping, Carhartt door and tailgate badging, Carhartt logo embossed on the soft roll-up tonneau cover. It's on 20s, wrapped in all-terrain tires in a tasteful combo of body-colored parts like the grill bar and front and rear bumpers. Uh, the Carhartt theme runs strong on the inside with Carhartt-badged all-weather floor mats and jet black and Carhartt brown two-tone leather seats with embroidered Carhartt logos on the headrests, of course. So if you're a Carhartt fan, go get yourself this truck. Tell me about the all-tan Dockers edition. How about the Midnight edition? <laughs> there's, is, no, uh, there's no Dockers edition? blacked out. Why do, why do manufacturers <laughs> talk about making their blacked-out trucks everything's a freaking Midnight? I don't know. I think didn't they steal that from our friends at Nissan? Wasn't Nissan the Midnight Edition? They could have been the first. Yes. Why stop stealing? Come up with your own dark theme. I mean, they keep using Midnight because uh, apparently they're out of terms to describe black. I, I don't know. Like it's just asphalt. Asphalt. Well, but the problem is asphalt is more of a dark gray. How about the Z seventy one Sport Edition? You can get a patriotic trio of exterior color options: red, hot, summer, white, and Norsky blue metallic. Whatever that means. While the bumpers, grill bar, and door handles are color matched, the other accents are rendered in black, including the grill insert, badging, skid plate, mirror caps, hood vent, and wheels, 18s or 20s available. And the last one, of course, the Z71 Anti-Midnight Edition, the Chrome Sport Edition, which is, uh, again, a Z71 on 20s with Chrome. Mm-hmm. Thanks, GM. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Jump right on that. By the way, it doesn't make the face look any better. Or the mirrors. When are they going to do a facelift, do you think? Uh, next year. You think they will? Well, we just talked about the, uh, the spy photo. That's, oh, yeah. That's, new one's coming. Okay. All right. And the last thing, I, uh, I held this one on purpose because I wasn't sure I wanted to uh, touch it with a 10-foot pole. That's what she said. I don't know if we care that the Honda Ridgeline was refreshed <laughs> for 2021. And now some do. Some do. The A-pillar forward looks like a tough truck. The rest of it looks like the old Ridgeline. Huh. And the wheels... Are weird. Let me see that Honda uh, Let me accessory wheels here, the gold ones with the rivets that are flat faced. There's no dish to them. Well, whatever. This. Hold on a second. Hold just no, on a second. Don't do it. 
Not good. Hold on. I'm not saying that it's attractive, but the front end of that looks a mini Ram 1500. It kind of looks like one, yeah. Dang, Honda, for doing that. Now it's just going to confuse people more. Still unibody. Ah, that's okay looking. Mm. It's okay looking. I'm not willing to go there. Is it a look, truck, though? Because, look, I love... Okay, it's okay looking. You Is and it a I, truck? Do you and I Is both... Is it a truck? Is it a truck? It's getting closer. Why? Because they put a new front clip on it? Just because they're blurring the lines, buddy. Uh, I, you're wrong. I'm not saying it's officially a truck. I'm still with you. It's not... Just because you make the front more butch and, and like, square and, like, square-jawed and gapy-mouthy and... and Squinty eyes and make it look like a ram doesn't make it into a truck, right? No, it doesn't, but they're doing a decent I'm, job of blurring the lines. I mean, it has a reshaped rear bumper for a uh, new dual exhaust and uh, more aggressive looking 18 inch wheels. Uh, listen, for, uh, audience, I'm not going over, I'm not crossing the line and saying the ridge line's a truck. 10 millimeter wheel backspacing's been reduced. It gives uh, the Ridgeline a uh, 20 millimeter wider stance, which is about three quarters of an inch. But I don't like the Honda flat face wheels. It needs no, a truck wheel uh, on it's there. It's true. But here, here's what Honda, I think, is realizing. They're seeing the sales of Rams and Fords and, and uh No, no, Toyotas they're smart for making it going, look different. They're going it. bonkers, right? Yeah. They can't. These other manufacturers can literally not make trucks fast enough. And here's Honda going, well, if we made it less car and more truck, yeah, no, it will sell. It was, and it will. It's better. It's better. It's. Let me ask you this. Let me tell you this first. Well, can I ask a question? Let me, can I finish this and sure. tell you? Sure. Because then your question might be answered. It might not. I don't know. 2021 buyers, if you want more aggressive looks, can add the HPD, Honda Performance Division package, to all trim levels. You get a unique grill, black fender flares, bronze colored wheels, and unique HPD graphics. Dude, bronze the wheels. HPD package is one of four new option groups that will include utility function and function plus packages. And the interior gets a uh, updated audio display system with cleaner graphics, faster speeds, easier to navigate icons, and a physical volume knob has returned from the push button, which is nice. Uh, and then all, it, all manly things. It uh, retains the 3.5 liter V6, 280 horsepower, 262 pound feet of torque. With a nine-speed automatic, and it, it does have a very good all-wheel drive system. I will give it that. So it does have the fantastic uh, i-VTM4 torque vectoring all-wheel drive system, which is really good. Now, Ridgeline boasts a best-in-class all-wheel drive payload rating. So when you have that many uh, qualifiers in a play, yeah, I, I, right, I don't know. Right, 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 right. What's the what's the competition? Are they saying Tacoma? I don't know. Anyway, fifteen hundred eighty pounds. I mean, that's, that's pretty not, solid. It's not bad. Uh, and it can tow up to 5,000 pounds. You guys listening, are, are you hearing what's happening right now? And? Well, this is, tides are turning over here. And I'm not no, sure, I'm, we're not, not comfortable not, with this. They're not turning. I'm just saying they're that not? it's, it's capable-ish. I have a question, Holman. And yeah. you didn't answer my question. Yeah. If you owned a CR250 dirt bike. Yeah. Honda. Are you more inclined to look at the Ridgeline? No. Because you're a Honda guy. No. So you're. A Honda dirt bike guy is not a Honda car guy. Do we know that? Yes. So I know typically because they would sell a lot more than a thousand ridge lines a year, five thousand, whatever it is. But currently they're not. Or five thousand would a month. they be? What if they make it know. look more aggressive? Maybe, Maybe. it's still mm. not a truck. I'd like to see one butched up go overlanding with a go fast camper in the back though. 
It's only a matter of time. I wonder if that would be weird enough to be cool. Are you hearing this guy? I struggle. Like, I this, struggle. Yeah, this is this is both of us struggling with this. This is ugly. No, 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 no. No, I'm, I'm struggling with uh, them making it look like a truck. I'm not I'm not struggling with the fact that I think it might be becoming a truck. I know, but you and I are, we're both visual guys, and yeah. we, we like the cues they've built it's in better. this. It's better. It's better. Mm. It's still a Honda Ridgeline. Yeah, all right. And that's where I'm going to end this episode. Wow. Well, I, I feel kind of I feel kind of dirty. As you should. <laughs> I really do. I don't know. Love to hear your thoughts. Send us an email. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. What do you think of the Ridgeline? The Truck Show. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. Oh, oh. Just because they're sprucing up the front end, does it make it a truck? I don't think so. But it is looking better. It's not a truck. It's an SUT with a decent payload. The transverse V6. So weird. It's like it just sucked the wind out of our sails at the end of the show. Because in the beginning, I thought we would talk about it and we would hate on it. And then the more we started talking about it, we're like, I mean, okay. I uh, I don't hate it. I feel like... Uh, you dislike it a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I'm not... It's not militant hate as much as it is a strong dislike now. Yeah. It's go away. Don't come back around. Because I don't want to like you. Maybe. Yeah? Yeah, he's at LBC Lightning. I'm at Sean P. Holman, <laughs> and we are uh, at the Truck Show Podcast. Nope. We're not. It's not at the Truck Show Podcast. It's just at Truck Show Podcast. Yep. You can recover from That's that. That's right. It's okay. okay, okay. <laughs> All right, this is where we thank Nissan, because without Nissan, we would not be able to do this uh, just lame dog and pony show. You, you mean know what the I mean? ones where we uh, don't even know our own social handles? <laughs> I know. How many times, how many times you've come out of this show 143 times saying our yeah. our socials? Yeah. You, you, you can't put the. It's just no, at Truck Show right. Podcast. Because you know why do, uh, that confused me? No, I you, don't. Because why I'm, I'm stroking out right now and having a meltdown in my brain? Because it's 5,000 degrees in here? Uh, it is. Because we're in a pressure cooker? Y- yes. The, uh, the show on Facebook is actually called The Truck Show Podcast, mm-hmm. but the handle is at Truck Show Podcast. So whenever you uh, tag something, it'll show The Truck Show Podcast. So then I always forget, did I put the The when I did this or not? I shouldn't forget that, but I do. So I have a Dropbox account where I put all of our files, yep. and then I have the files on my laptop, and I have all the files on my desktop computer. Okay. And in one place, they're titled Truck Show, uh-huh. and another place, they're titled The Truck Show, Uh-huh. And the other place, they're just truck podcast. Yeah, well, is that <laughs> why like, we had to come God. here last week uh, on the weekend? Because you dropped a file in your wrong folder on the computer and downloaded the wrong one? It wasn't because it was named something wrong. I just oh. literally put it in the wrong place. <sighs> we're just we're just not good. We're just, it's just, there's good. No, no, no. And then there's, then there's us, and it's like... Lightning. Yeah? What is wrong with you? So that, I, mean, I think that's more fair. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that we're, it's, that we're not good, because I think after we edit all this, uh-huh. the listeners go, man, these guys are great. And you and I kind of like have that knowing glance from across the room, like, damn, if they only knew. Yeah, but but this episode... Guys, I seen the suckage meter. Mm-hmm. You I, pinned the needle on this episode. I, I literally had somebody from work, very well educated, very high t- uh, title within the organization, call me today. And this person said, hey, just want to let you know I seen that email. <laughs> and I thought of you. Did They this, They were clowning you, right? Or did, no. Oh, no. 100%. No, no. Hey, I seen that email. I just want to get back to you, yeah. And did you correct this person? Nope. They're a higher pay grade than me. That's not my place. Ooh. You 
got to stand up for your man, Lightning. You got to go to battle. Nope, not you over that. I'm not going to die on that hill. All right, well, before we uh, end the show, we got to loop back around and cover Nissan. Make sure that uh, if you're in the market for a half ton truck, check out the Nissan Titan, Nissan Titan XD, or midsize truck. Go and check out that 2020 Nissan Frontier with the uh, brand new 3.8 liter V6 and nine speed automatic transmission. It's the end of the year. I bet you can get a great deal. NissanUSA.com, building yeah, but price. Going into the new year, you're not going to get that uh, warranty. It's all over, right? They don't do that anymore, the five year, 100,000 mile warranty? Of course they do on the Titan or Titan XD. So uh, if you want to build in price, see what they have. Head over to NissanUSA.com or see them in person because once you sit in those zero-gravity seats and turn on that Fender audio system, you, too, will be hooked. So, uh, will, be, will you be at one with the, uh, the Nissan? You will be at one with uh, your bank account as you hand them the <laughs> low amount of cash for the high-value truck you're going to be driving away. Interesting. I didn't see that coming. That was a good twist. You, you like there. that? Yeah. yeah. Well, with all that. the money you save, you can head over to Decked and uh, you can put one of those drawer systems in the back or, as Jordan alluded to soon, Something else in the back of your truck. They heard it. They know what Something it is. Something else in the but back. But they heard of him say it. It's but we can't yet. Oh, we can't. We're just saying. We're we still embargo. Well, until Greg comes back on, we we're talking about it today, so he'll be on a, a episode. So if you don't have a truck and you still need a place to put all your junk, go grab yourself a Deck D bag. It's the uh, drawer system for your back. Head over to Decked dot com or at Deck USA on the socials and buy that product by telling them the Truck Show Podcast sent you. Support our show, support our advertisers, and that means we can come back for another episode. And we'll try harder next time. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even believe yourself when you said that. You're like, hold on, hold on. let me let me try that again. Huh. And we will provide you with a higher quality episode. Oh, I know. Hey, hold on. Mm-hmm. The first person that goes out and buys a Nissan Titan and fills it with a deck system mm-hmm. and sends us proof. We will have you on as a guest on this show. Yeah, it's a good idea. We and we'll will. give you a t-shirt. That's true. We will do those. And what you said. we'll put together a better show than normal. Well. That ain't true. <laughs> That's not true. No. I mean, we'll try. The Truck Show Podcast is a production of Motor Trend Group. This podcast was created and produced by Sean Holman and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating. If you'd like to open the show, leave a message on the five-star hotline, 657-205-6105. And if you're a fan of the Truck Show Podcast, we encourage you to visit and patronize our sponsors. Sponsors.